ladies and gentlemen, you are now watching the War Room. Shout out to all the Info Warriors. I'm your guest host today for the first hour, Drew Hernandez, filling in for the great Owen Schroyer. Yes, we are here in 2024. It is election year. We are watching a continuation of a subversion, not only communist, but perverted LGBTQ, but this globalist antichrist machine spirit and agenda that is targeting humanity and globally worldwide, but specifically our children and our kids, especially as Americans. If you take a look at human history, the youth and the upcoming generations, not just the upcoming generation, not just one, but multiple have always been the targets of authoritarian fascist regimes that want to carry on their regimes into the future for 100, 500, or thousands of years or until they just completely lose power, if they could even conceive that in their minds. And so that's always been a component in human history. But I think what's different right now in America's hour of dealing with tyranny, just listening to the last segment of you know, journalists showing up, reporters such as InfoWarriors uh, and Owen Schroyer, show hosts showing up to the Capitol and already having pre-planned orders of arrest just for showing up. It's interesting that we're living in these times of tyranny, and I think America is going to have to learn really quickly, you know, how to deal with this, but also what this looks like for us. Because America was founded off of not just fleeing from tyranny, uh, but resisting it in the process. And we've had our conflicts along the way of civil war and outbreaks between Americans and different ideologies opposing each other. And we've always come through. But what we're dealing with right now is a whole new level of satanic antichrist weaponry and propaganda and mixed with a technocracy as we go into the new age, all blended together as we go into the future that we as Americans have never truly had to deal with. I'm, I'm talking about the future of artificial intelligence and algorithms that are uh, openly manipulating not just social media, uh, so-called news that they claim is not so aggregated or is not so uh, biased. Even their uh, even Google and all of their AI generators are totally woke and homosexual and anti-white and anti-Christian because the programmers of the AI, is it's a reflection of the programmers. It's basically a mirror. And so I think as we go into the new age, I think the question is, how deep does this go? How advanced does the info war really become as we go into a new age of technology that is advancing every single day? And I think we've only scratched the surface of what it looks like. I mean, the World Economic Forum is openly already stating, uh, anyone can go look this up, just a simple search on X, WEF, cyber attack warning. They're openly comparing uh, the next virus. It's interesting that they compare it openly to COVID-19. And uh, they're, uh, <laughs> it's like an advertisement for the, for the, for the new world devastation that's to come. And in their advertisement videos, they're obviously calling and uh, uh, attempting to warn the globe of an imminent cyber attack. And they did this in Davos 23, uh, their so-called cyber attack analysis panel and their findings announced in 2023 that we would see 
a mass uh, cyber attack, uh, catastrophic. They use the word catastrophic cyber attack uh, in the next two years. So we got, we got, we got about, that was 2023, maybe 2025, they'll fully roll it out. But I find it interesting, and there it is right there. I find it interesting that they are comparing an electronic cyber attack to a biological bioweaponry attack that was what i personally believe this is my opinion is a covid 19 a bioweapon that was launched on humanity they compare the biological virus to a cybernetic virus that's on the way they claim it'll shut down the internet they claim that it'll have worldwide implications and we'll talk a lot more about that when we come back so don't go anywhere lock and load let's get ready to go i want to continue this conversation of advanced technology and the development as we go into the new age, just exactly what the info war actually looks like. I mean, we even had, um, I think it was James O'Keefe, OMG Media, as of recently with the expose on the IRS, where he confronted, uh, was it Alex Mana, was it? Some some little some little Indian dude. You know, he just ran away from James O'Keefe. Uh, IRS worker that openly admitted that uh, artificial intelligence is being utilized uh, to surveil the financial transactions of Americans, which is which is not a surprise, but the nuance that he kind of gave, which I found interesting in that expose, was that the DOJ are actually the ones in control of the AI and the obviously the algorithms and the usage of what this does and what it looks like and how it's monitoring American financial transactions. Could they be even setting people up on the back end? That's a possibility. There seems to be no regulation, uh, according to this expose that was released by James O'Keefe. This IRS worker openly stated that it was the it, it was the DOJ uh, that is behind the actual programming of the artificial intelligence, and obviously the IRS, just an arm of the rogue federal government, is simply just facilitating what they've been given. Does that give them a pass? Absolutely not. Does that make them unaccountable or just some kind of you know low IQ morons that? are not the actual real villains. No, they are. They, they know exactly what they're doing, and they don't blow the whistle or warn the general public of exactly what's going on, which I would say is pretty much everything Snowden tried to warn the entire world years ago and uh, literally got persecuted for that, and you guys know the story. But the question and what I found interesting about this expose, and I, I bring it up because I think it's an example of what the info war looks like, as, as you're dealing with levels of artificial intelligence where there is no accountability, there is no transparency. Uh, does, does anybody, is anybody fully aware of just exactly what AI is doing to your financial transactions or the surveillance of your bank accounts, your checking account, your savings accounts? Is there the possibility that the DOJ could set people up via AI in order to uh, cause some kind of uh, appearance of financial illegal activity on your end, and then they use the IRS. They weaponize the IRS to come down on you, and all of the evidence is there. It's right there. It's in your account. It's in your financial transactions, and it looks authentic. It looks real. This transaction was made at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, whatever, or all kinds of 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 generated all kinds of engineered and synthetic so-called evidence that could be weaponized and used against you in a rigged kangaroo court are the courts free right now 
do we actually have justice? I, I'm, I'd be willing to bet that there's probably a remnant of legitimate lawyers and persecutors and defense attorneys, judges, those that practice law to this day. I, I'd be willing to bet that there's, there's a remnant of those that are still attempting to hold the line. I would probably cite maybe some of the uh, InfoWars legal counsel as some of the great men and women that are actually still trying to do the right thing. But what about the other side? I mean, you have crooked DAs, you have crooked judges, and 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 you have crooked uh, prosecutors and, and and lawyers and obviously elected elected officials. That the Soros machine, that's not going to uh, stop anytime soon. By the way, that has been funding to strategically place geographically across the United States of America. So this, this, this is a multidimensional war when it comes to the weaponization of uh, intelligence agencies, the weaponization of so-called departments of justice federally and at the local level with rigged kangaroo courts and obvious judges that are fully biased. And we've watched that with uh, the legal and lawfare that's been launched against Roger Stone, Alex Jones, Owen Troyer, Infowars itself. And uh, up until this very moment, many patriots uh, and Americans, uh, particularly J6ers, that are still experiencing everything that I'm talking about right now. But it's, it's, it's multidimensional because they have all of their bases covered through the process from the intelligence agencies, weaponized launching propaganda campaigns or even starting within the fake news media cartel, the state-approved media, CNN, MSNBC, levels of Fox News, which we know as totally cucked out, right? Tucker Carlson had to hit the eject button and do his own thing, and he's totally killing it far beyond anything Fox News could ever project him to be, which, by the way, I would say that's intentional. Take someone that actually has a voice, get them thinking that they're actually influential, give them a, a considerable about, a amount of, of wealth that makes them think that they're actually doing some kind of difference and attaining a reward for it. And I'm not saying that Tucker Carlson is a ignorant moron. I'm just saying I could totally see how that is done in the mainstream media. I, I could totally see how Fox News, you, give, you, you get these uh, multi-million dollar deals and you get 8 million viewers a night. You have the most successful and popular right-wing conservative late-night news show in the world. But then he goes independent. Do you think Tucker Carlson would have ever interviewed Vladimir Putin on Fox News? That might be debatable. But do you think that the reach of that interview, has that, guys, can someone let me know? I, the last time I checked, that interview was at like $180 million on X. Maybe I have outdated numbers. I don't know. But do you think Fox News could ever produce anything anywhere near that? And then you look at InfoWars as well and the millions of viewers that are constantly, consistently tuning in via syndicate radio, Bandot Video, you name it, and the platforms that InfoWars is allowed to be on. See, they, they, they make you think, right, by establishing some kind of mainstream establishment. This happens in politics. This happens in media. This happens in culture. I think that's obvious government, right? I, I, I think that's part of... The Matrix. I think that is the Matrix. That's the simulation 
that gives an appearance of the standard, that this is the standard, this is the highest you could ever attain, and anything outside of that is illegitimate, and anything outside of that is not going to be anywhere near as successful as the mainstream apparatus or presented vehicle uh, could ever give you. And like I said, I'm not saying Tucker's a, a stupid man, very intelligent, advanced, knows exactly what he's doing, but the point is, is and, and I've experienced this in my own life. I, I've, I've experienced this in my own career where, you know, you, 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 you get into the waters of, of independence and you have your own platform and you have your own sponsors and, and, and you're doing your own business with your own show and, 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 and you begin to realize like, you know, I have, a, I have a bigger voice on my own. Yeah. It's, it, it could be nerve wrecking. It, it, it could be, I'll use for lack of a better term, uh, scary uh, because you're on your own and it's easier to just be a part of something that's already established. And I'm not saying alternative media that is already growing beyond any one individual can do on their own. But what I'm saying is, is it possible that the matrix and the simulation has given us pre-programmed awareness in our minds to believe that only the mainstream and only the establishment anything even medicine is, is, is the only solution, is the only path. But when you break out of that and you begin to realize that there are multiple paths, there are other paths, there are alternative paths, well, then this is what we would call a successful red pill when it's ingested and you wake up and you begin to realize that, A, I've been lied to, B, this is simulated, and C, there is another successful path. And, and success doesn't only mean money, all right? Anyone could define what success is to them. I guess for me, the definition of success in the context of what I'm saying here in the info war is not only getting the truth out, but getting the truth out to the masses and having the masses fully comprehend and decide for themselves and wake up and get pulled out of the simulation. So I guess if anyone is asking, well, what's the definition of success to you and your rant? Well, that's the definition of success to me because we need people waking up. We need people not gay and woke. We need people based and awake. You understand? We don't need people gay and woke. We need them based and awake, totally unplugged out of the matrix. That's a weapon, dude. That's what the new world order fears every single day. That's what this deep state authoritarian Antichrist Luciferian machine fears every single day is millions of people getting pulled out of the simulation, waking up and identifying who truly the enemy is. And that's how they lose credibility. And by the way, that's why you're starting to see the downfall of mainstream media. I mean, I've, I mean, I'm not really interested in Fox News anymore. You know, I, I, the, the only reason I would ever go on Fox News uh, was was because of Tucker. Just just being honest, you know, just just being completely honest. It was the only reason I would ever go on Fox News was uh, when Tucker's people would hit me up when he was still on there. Uh, you're seeing Vice News; they're dying a slow death as they should. <laughs> Nobody watches CNN, MSNBC. Uh, the establishment media has not only lost credibility, but they've lost ability. Um, to really even retain an audience. I mean, there are still millions of retards out there that will, you know, still believe the lies of Joy Reid and, you know, Fudge Packer. 
uh, what's that guy's name? Anderson Pooper or Cooper? Cooper? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, th- th- there's still retards out there that'll still sit there and you know believe the lies of the mainstream, but I think we are slowly but steadily, and maybe even a little bit of a, a little bit of an acceleration of the Great Awakening because the Great Awakening comes in phases. Understand? The Great Awakening comes in phases. This is this is this is the art of the info war. Is yes, we could have mass victories, gain territory, and we could uh, advance as we move along year by year, election cycle through election cycle. But even the small victories are still victories. And the big victories, yes, we should celebrate them as well. But every single one, it leads us closer and closer and closer to where we want to be as a nation, as a civilization, as a state, as a city, as a county, as a family. But I think, you know, this whole rant where I'm going with this is, you know, part of this, like, it's multidimensional. It, it really is when you think about it because you're dealing with a spiritual war. There's not, like, a spiritual aspect to this. It's, it's the reality of what this is. Like the Bible says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, right, that are geographically and strategically, they're calculated to be specifically placed throughout human history, in several different regions, pulling the strings behind the scenes, using using puppet human beings and talking heads in order to push agendas and legislation and ideas and deception on the minds of the masses. Media is used. Education is used. The science community is used. Um, obviously, government is used. The hijacking of religious institutions, the church, cults, all of it. All of it is used together in order to hijack and deceive the mind of an individual and i don't know sometimes i pray and i i you know i ask god for wisdom and discernment for the future because this is going to be a fight i'm going to be in for a while you know god doesn't come home uh call me home early or jesus calls us back beforehand we got a long road ahead of us man you know like this is not going to get wrapped up in the next four years even if we do get donald j trump back in office and inaugurated in 2025 you know the big question for me has been 2028 like if like i said if we got if we get a miracle we get trump in uh you know 2024 november w inaugurated we got four years of trump that's it then what uh the big question for me is 2028 uh because i think we're gonna see all hell break loose i'm gonna call it right now i I think we are gonna see all hell break loose uh, if that's what I'm saying, if, if we get, you know, a four year delay with Trump, um, I think 2028 is going to be pretty gnarly and we are seeing some developments with the Supreme court. Uh, but even in Illinois, they're attempting to take Trump off of the ballot, but we know if anything is conducted in truth, if we know anything is conducted in honesty or justice, uh, we know that America should be fine, and actually, we know that America's president should be Trump right now. That is visiting the formerly known southern border, and uh, so is the so-called puppet president, uh, Joe Biden, all going down there. Which, which, by the way, that that leads me to another point as well. Is you see Trump going down to the border for obvious reasons, but now Biden has to go down because they've created these problems. That's what the Great Reset is. They create destabilization. They create instability. 
they create these massive problems and they become the saviors. They become uh, the solution givers and executors of how to fix these problems. I'm not talking about Trump. I'm talking about specifically where Biden is right now in terms of the border because what what I've been noticing, and it's pretty obvious according to exit polls um, out of all of these caucuses in 2024 or primaries, uh, the top two issues seem to be uh, the state of the economy or slash inflation uh, or the border slash illegal immigration. And so I think this is why you've seen the Senate and you've seen these Democrats really attempt to continue to push these insane spending bills because the average person that's not read in or that's not really intellectually, you know, in the know of, you know, how DC works and how some of these legislative bills that are given big mainstream titles uh, are laced in with all kinds of other demands. And that's why they get rejected. It's real basic, simple stuff. But the majority of the NPCs and the retards out there that just listen to the Uniparty or the mainstream media, they, they, they don't know this stuff. And so that's why they've been pushing these giant spending bills. They call it a border bill. And that's why they've been lacing it with, you know, billion, 60 billion, 40 billion to Ukraine and another 40, 20 billion to Israel. And just give a handful of billion of dollars to secure the southern border here in the United States. They know Republicans will reject that. But that's to me, that's that's the move. Because then they walk away with the narrative, well, we tried to secure our border. We tried to secure funding to secure our border, but Republicans didn't want to do it. That's why Biden has been saying that. And that's probably why they're rolling them out now to actually go down there uh, to communicate those messages so they can continue to propagate to the rest of the country that, well, the reason why we have such mass illegal immigration, because they can't hide it anymore. They can't hide it at all. It's too... It's too it's 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 way too big because it's not just a problem in Texas or New Mexico or Arizona or SoCal. These people are being deployed everywhere. And they're occupying uh they're creating 10 cities. They're 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 being deployed all over across US states where these people are committing murder, they're committing rape. Uh, uh autistic girls are being raped and murdered by them and you're starting to see mentally and physically disabled individuals raped murdered it, it, it's it's something that can't be contained but they caused it but isn't it convenient now that they've psyoped a part of the american public to believe that well the reason why this is happening is because republicans didn't want to work across the aisle they didn't want to set their political differences aside, and they didn't want to push a bill that would have given billions of dollars to secure and heal this problem. See, this is, this is, this is beyond politics, right? There, there's a political aspect to that, but it's also an art of propaganda and narrative setting, establishing, creating, and withholding. And this is why I personally believe when it comes to the Uniparty, you have you have the Democrat side of things that are the bad guys, right? And then you have the Republican side of things, the rhinos and the Mitch McConnells and the Liz Cheney's and all, you know, all, all these retards that don't do anything. That's their role. Their role is to is, is to give an appearance that there is an opposing voice to your 
opposite, and they call that democracy, correct? They call that a constitutional republic. Oh, a constitutional republic goes beyond just two parties. A constitutional republic goes beyond just two selections, and, and that's all I get? That's all we ever get? But of course, that's used against us. Because then they walk away with the narrative. Oh, see, this is your democracy in action. This is your constitutional republic. This is your government hashing things out, having disagreements, and then coming to a decision. It's definitely not pre-planned. They're definitely not all on the same side. You want to know how you can test that? Claim to be America first in the midst of all of that. Watch what happens to you. Claim to want to make America great again in the midst of all of that, and watch what happens to you. Claim to be separate of the Republican Party and claim to be separate of the Democrat Party and claim to simply just be America first. And watch, watch what happens to you, watch what happens to your family, watch the intelligence agencies all get weaponized against you. Watch as you become public enemy number one. This is why they've called us MAGA Republicans, right-wing domestic terrorists. They separate us, and Nikki Haley's been doing this. Have you guys been paying attention to this? I mean, she's obviously right, like a deep state plant. She's obviously a uniparty shill. And Nikki Haley's a political prostitute. She just spreads her legs for everybody, right? She's like a, a right-wing appearing Hillary Clinton, maybe even worse. Disgusting, dude. Well, such an ugly woman, really. Nikki Haley is such an – if she even is a woman. I've come to believe it's probably just Mark Cuban and drag straight up, straight up. But, you know, that's a <laughs> – that's another that's another uh transmission for another day but uh, uh she's been she's been doing this why because she's a part of the machine what has she been saying in her speeches if you pay really close attention which i don't know if a lot of people do but i find it interesting every so-called victory speech as she takes l after l after l after every single one of these primaries and caucuses is totally obliterated right she comes out and gives a so-called victory speech, and she keeps saying the same thing. What does she say? America's divided. America is severely divided. We can't have Democrat chaos, nor can we have Republican chaos. And Donald Trump is invading our party, and our party is going to be a party of chaos, division, and instability. We need to come together as Americans and unite. Wow, kumbaya sounds like a great message of unity, does it? But she knows what she's doing. She's saying that you're divisive because you're America first. She's not only talking about Trump. She's talking about you. She's talking about me. She's talking about those that want no unity with the communists, that want no unity with the pedophiles or this LGBTQ homosexual tyrannical imperialistic rule through ESG and DEI and the black supremacists. We don't want any unity with the globalists or the Luciferians or the Satanists or the WEF that wants to hijack our entire nation and dismantle American sovereignty. We don't want unity with that. But we get called what? Divisive for having the stance that's America first, separate from any other form of authoritarian rule. Well, so be it. But that just shows you exactly who she is. We'll be right back. They create the crisis. They cause the collapse. So they provide a solution. So they become the saviors. I think it's pretty, pretty, pretty clear just exactly how the Great Reset is all unfolding as we watch multiple, various, different angles that it's coming through, different channels, 
strategically, like I said, through the media, education, the sciences, the medical industry, big pharma, obviously politics, music industry, all kinds of propaganda through the arts. No matter which way you look at it from, it's sophisticated. It's definitely intentional. And it's effective. And I just think the component of technology is something that has to be not only studied, but it has to be learned as we go into the future of the info war. Because what does it really look like? I really do think about this all the time. I think about this every day. What is what does the info war really look like in the next 30 years, 40 years, with insane, impressive, advanced AI algorithm abilities, all types of technology that can write itself, present itself. And again, to give another example, we've had recent stories of the FBI and intelligence agencies in the United States having to deal with foreign uh, cyber attacks that are uh, attempting to deceive military personnel. Uh, 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 whether it be artificial intelligent bots or frameworks or uh, communication abilities that attempt to communicate uh, with military personnel posing uh, as figures of authority in order to gain secrets or in order, or in order to uh, infiltrate certain components that they're attempting to. So it's, it's interesting where the cyber warfare really does go. Um, it's real, not going to deny its existence, um, but obviously that's going to be something that could be used as a false flag against us. And so that's why I think we as a civilization and as a culture, as a nation, as the general public, um, need to be definitely educated and read up so we could be able to identify these things. Because if we don't, uh, we're already dealing with a rogue authoritarian federal government uh, that will definitely utilize these technologies against every single one of us. But one of the fronts that I wanted to address today, which I'm finally getting to, uh, again, welcome to the War Room, guys. Uh, make sure that you guys are uh, supporting the show by going to InfoWarsStore.com and uh, supporting the broadcast, The Alex Jones Show, American Journal, and The Great War Room, and all of the other projects that InfoWars has going on every single day, exposing evil and showing the truth at the same time, pulling people out of the matrix, InfoWarsStore. Dot com. Just wanted to make sure we put that out there so you guys can show your support and get involved and get in the fight at least one way or another. This is one way you can do it. Support the InfoWar effort by going to InfoWarsStore.com. But one of these, I'm just going to pick on one. There you go. Many great uh, sales going on at InfoWarsStore.com. 40% off on a lot of great products. Bot ease, guys. I'm telling you, you guys need to start getting involved. And if you're late on your orders, get on your orders right now and support the InfoWar, InfoWarsStore.com. Like I said, just wait till these things start writing themselves and speaking for themselves within the media it's, it's man, your, your imagination can go anywhere with this. It, it, it really can. But one of, one, one of the fronts that I wanted to address is this, this ongoing attack on children where obviously this is a global problem. You know, obviously this is 
taking place beyond America's borders. And there are many issues going on. But specifically, I wanted to address this today because not only because you see it circulating in the media or you start to see it circulating even more in the media. But I do have a concern, obviously, of this total normalization of the sexualization of children, not just not just like not just in, uh, I would say, you know, in uh, marketing ad campaigns or even the sexualization of 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 of, of children and. And I don't know, like like Netflix cuties, like obviously those those are levels of depravity and degeneracy that have to be dealt with. But 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 we are going into like Sodom and Gomorrah, like 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 where Rome was and the Corinthians, where we're going into a realm uh, where we're kind of stepping into this this new uh, realm where yes, it, it's not only going to be depicted in movies, it's it's not only going to be depicted in marketing and 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 in propaganda with like. Balenciaga and, and no, this this is out in the open in your face. The normalization of the sexualization of children in the culture, in real time, amongst civilization. And civilization has already gone through these modes. They've already gone through these. There's nothing new under the sun. But this is why I started off the broadcast by saying, well, 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 how is America gonna deal with this? They're already propagating it because that's how they do it. It's predictive programming. That's why you're going to see a rise of pedophilic content on Netflix, a rise of pedophilic content all over the mainstream media, all laced and, and propagated in order to get people prepared and have it be normalized in the mind of the individual. So when they finally fully push it, right, which they already are to some extent through the you know homosexual LGBTQ machine – where you know parental consent doesn't mean anything because a teacher could have some kind of sexual conversation with your child whether they like it or not. Even to the extent, well, they're going to start taking your kids, which they already are. That's already happening. But it's going to jump. It's going to jump off of the screen, and it's already jumping off of the screen and invade your home, and you're going to be dealing with this pedophilia. You're going to be dealing with this these people coming after your children where if you don't affirm their LGBTQ identity or ideology, well, that's a form of child abuse. Therefore, CPS will be called on you. Therefore, we will take the children away from you and then we'll put them in some kind of surrogate home that's all filled with homosexuals and the kids will just be uh, raped in there. But that's totally fine because at least they're affirmed. You see, that's exactly where we are going and we're seeing that to levels of extent, but Things are going to get worse, guys. Like it, it really is jumping out in the open. And America has to ask itself, how much do we really care about our kids? How much do we really care about our future? How much, how much, are, we, how much are we willing to put on the line? Because this is one of the stories that was absolutely insane that you see there right up on your screen as to an example of how bad this stuff is really going to get. HIV plus tranny breastfeeds. This is obviously just a gay dude. I don't believe trannies are real. They're not real people. Right. They're, they're all just homosexuals. Right. You, you get a guy that sits there and claims to be a woman and is obviously attracted to other dudes just claiming to be a woman. That, that, that's a gay guy. All right. It's, that's not a tranny and vice versa. Just change the sex. It's just homosexuality. It's all it is, you know. But HIV plus tranny breastfeeds baby chemically induced with chest secretions with secretions with help of medical clinic. Not only are you getting. Uh, so-called tranny milk, whatever, whatever the hell that is. But th these are individuals that are HIV positive. 
This is depopulation because these people will not and cannot endure or successfully repopulate a future, a civilization. And so this is further an attack on a child. And, and, and I can't, I mean, obviously you could use your imagination and think of things that are more twisted, more horrific, more depraved. But are we really going to be a civilization in the name of, of tolerance and equality and acceptance and progression? Are we really going to be a nation that sits here and accepts these deranged HIV plus homosexuals? so-called breastfeeding infants? You got to answer that question yourself. I, I know the answer to that question for me. My answer to that is hell no. Resist, reject at all costs. But I think every single American has to ask themselves, when does it stop? When is the line drawn? And when can we throw out this so-called inclusive garbage and excuse? It's all a bunch of BS. We'll be right back. You know, there's a very famous story uh, at the end of World War II when the Allies were just obliterating Berlin and invading the Reichstag and uh, Hitler's headquarters and uh, bunker. Uh, there's a famous story where in the last days of the Reich, before uh, it was totally over, uh, that there was like a, a large group, like hundreds of women uh, that all came out and they started opposing. And I'm talking like days before, like like just like the allies, just day raids, night raids, just, just obliterating and bombing Berlin. Like it just never stopped. In a lot of uh, German towns, just, just days before it was all over, uh, there's a famous story of women uh, hundreds of women that would come out and they started publicly expressing their displeasure with 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 Hitler and and Himmler and the SS and the Nazi regimes that uh, would not surrender and uh, would not just put an end to everything because you know in the last days of the war there was you know Hitler was giving all kinds of uh, directives. Um, to destroy all German infrastructure, so the Allies couldn't utilize anything technologically. It, it, it was it was a scorched earth policy. And uh, what's interesting, I bring this up because I find it interesting because part part of part of why uh, hundreds or thousands of these women decided to finally come out out in the open and start uh, protesting against the regime to just surrender, put an end to all of it, uh, was because of the children. Was because of the future. Uh, of their kids uh, that were facing eminent destruction and obliteration. And by the way, even after the allies, uh, this is, this is, this is uh, documented. Anyone could, could study this themselves that after the allies invaded and the Soviet union invaded Berlin, it's described as a, a wave of rape took place. German women, Girls, the Soviets came in and it was just a mass wave of, of rape for a few days. And so historians will, will, will come together and, 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 you know, women in the SS or, 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 or women Nazis at the end of the war were seeing the writing on the wall. And it was also for the sake of their children. 
And so I just, I, I, you know, I think about stuff like this and I kind of think about where we are right now. It's not a direct comparison, but it's like we, we're facing the total imminent destruction and obliteration by this antichrist globalist homosexual, depraved, perverted machine on all fronts. Just 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 fully ready to hijack our children. I'm talking on a grand scale. Hijack our children. Children will be sexually molested. They will be raped. They already are. All in the name of inclusivity and, and, and acceptance and tolerance. The writing is on the wall for everybody. We all see it. We all know it. We all experience it. And we all see that imminent destruction for our children is, is, is right here. I, it, it, it's right here. And you got to make a decision. Every American, every father, every mother, doesn't matter what your politics are. You think evil gives a damn? <laughs> you, think, you, think, you think Satan and this, this antichrist machine, you think, you think Lucifer cares whether you're a Democrat or not? Get out of here. What are you, that low IQ? You're that retarded? Wake up, dude. Doesn't care at all. They will violate you. They will destroy you. It's already happening. Look at this Florida bill, according to the post-millennial. Florida bill would allow satanic temple chaplains in schools. They're, they're continuing to push. The satanic temple released a statement on the proposed Florida bill that would allow volunteer chaplains in public schools, stating that it looks forward to the opportunity. The satanic temple's director of ministry wrote about the bill in an email and said, quote, an opportunity that exists for ministers or chaplains in the public sector must not discriminate based on religious affiliation. And so you got to choose. Are you going to allow Satan? Are you going to allow Lucifer to infiltrate not just the minds of your child, but the purity and the innocence? And are you going to allow the total violation of your children? It's not going to stop. It stops when we say it stops. You understand? It stops when we say it stops. When we decide to resist depravity, degeneracy, when we decide to resist Satan and Luciferianism, when, when, when we, and, and if we can't draw that line for kids, then you know what? We deserve to lose it all. I'm not saying that the kids deserve the incoming and imminent destruction they will experience. But if we're unwilling to draw a line for children, I don't care what your politics are. And it's like, I, I don't care... If you're a Republican or a Democrat, you want to know why I say I don't care? Because evil doesn't care. So I'm speaking from the perceptive of what will happen to you if you continue to allow this. You think you're going to get a pass? Look at every single totalitarian regime, communist, socialist, fascist, you name it, in human history. Useful idiots, those that went alongside of the regime, they thought that they would get a pass. And it was either they decided to do a deal with the devil and they would side with the regime. They would self-censor. They would obey. They would pledge their allegiance to a dictator or dictatorial system, thinking that they would somehow get a comfy lifestyle. But do you really have freedom? Do you honestly have freedom? Just because an authoritarian or a dictator is giving you a comfier lifestyle than the peasants and the resistance? Well, it's better than being them, but that's not the question to ask. The real question to ask yourself is, are you really free? The question to ask yourself is, do you actually have freedom? What's the answer to that question? 
And therein lies your answer for some wisdom and direction of what exactly you need to do moving forward. And I'll tell you one thing, you are losing parents, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, guardian. You are losing freedoms, not just of your own, but over the consent and the authority, the God-given authority and task of taking and raising your own children is all it takes. We're already seeing this, guys. There are multiple news stories of this LGBTQ mafia that's being weaponized legislatively. You don't affirm their identity. You don't affirm their gender identity. Well, that's a form of child abuse. And that kid will be abducted from you and be perpetually thrown into some kind of orphan system with God knows who will be parenting your children. And we know who the regime will deem as safe parents that are LGBTQ affirming for your child. Degenerates, perverts, pedophiles, of course. That's how it goes. So again, I pose this question as I come to the conclusion of this rant. How, how, how far are you allowing to let these Satanists, how far are you allowing to let these pedophiles really go with your kids? Like how, how far into, is, it, is, it, is it until it happens? That's why I gave that story of the final days of the Third Reich in Berlin and the looming <laughs> threat of destruction and a mass wave of rape comes in and the children, little girls, were the recipients as well. I mean, you got to ask yourself that same question. Do you draw a line now? Do you resist this LGBTQ machine now? Are you going to sit there and be all retarded and keep keep up with this 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 stupid mindset? Well, to each their own. Just keep it at home. Don't shove it down my throat. Don't shove it down my child's throat. I don't care what you do behind closed doors. Just as long as you keep it private. When are you gonna let that go? Like, how is that? How's that going for us? Is it working? I pose that question to anybody out there. Is it working? Is that ideology working? Well, it's something good to say that keeps you safe and it gives you the appearance of being politically neutral. But is it? Is it, is, it, is it actually the right answer to give? Is it actually keeping our kids safer? Are we enabling something sinister, perverted, dark, and twisted? I would argue as a Christian, yes, you are. Because you cannot tame sin. You cannot control sin. You cannot re- regulate perversion. And the number one target for perversion is innocence which in our generation, our culture, and in our civilization, who are the most innocent? They're children, my friend. You got you to make some serious decisions. Christian or not, this is happening, and you're going to have to deal with it. And you're going to have to make a decision. And I don't care if you don't have kids. You should care, and you should still care. Because the next generation is the future of where we're going to go, and that's why they're being targeted. That's why they're being hijacked. It's pretty simple if you ask me. Well, guys, please do me a huge favor and follow me on my own platform. Go to rumble.com slash Drew Hernandez. I go live Monday through Friday, 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with the War Room and some more great coverage. Austin is poised to meet the challenges of tomorrow and become an even greater city. 
with a confidence rooted deep in the heart of Texas. Once upon a time, there was a magical town deep in the heart of Texas. It was home to musicians, artists, filmmakers, and visionaries. I come on public access and hang out. I'm on 24 hours a day, they say. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty close. Unfortunately, Austin, Texas, as we knew it, is gone. It is now Machete Town, USA. The Austin Police Association president says a teenager was randomly and violently attacked by a, quote, machete-wielding maniac. You know, as I was running, uh, he chased me down like his life depended on, you know, ending mine. It's a larger problem. There's a, just a, a kind of a atmosphere of lawlessness in this city. So at this point now, APD needs to do their job. The city of Austin needs to address that. We have a growing homeless problem that is an aggressive homeless problem, you know, and it is constantly getting worse. It was just another evening for Joshua Walker as he walked his dog in East Riverside, but things took a turn for the worse after he passed a homeless camp. He says four attackers with two weapons, a knife and a machete approached him. Last thing I remember, really, was uh, getting pricked, pricked in my back. It just felt like just a little prick here, but then I got hit in my head. Something really bad happened right here. I knew it right away. Austin's police union is crediting an APD officer with saving a life after a security guard was attacked with a machete at a downtown Austin hotel. The guard actually stopped Bergen from stealing something off a table. Soon after, Bergen returned with the machete, slinging it at the security guard, slicing his arm about two-thirds of the way through. Tonight, Austin police are searching for a man armed with a machete and other weapons. They say he is robbing people and hurting his victims. Multiple homes and neighbors hit by robberies all along West Runberg Lane and linked to one suspect, according to Austin police. In the heart of Machete Town, 6th Street, the musicians have been replaced by machete-wielding homeless lunatics thanks to the grifting of the city council. A council that continues to pretend that the old Austin exists to keep the outside money in Californians flowing in. Recently shooting down the latest attempt to have its coffers audited in an effort to apparently cover up the revelations of at least a decade of corruption. The police force has been decimated and the ones that remain work long hours and face jail time if they don't tow Soros D.A. Garza's Marxist line. At night, 6th Street is transformed from a homeless toilet into a shooting gallery where tourists are murdered as they are still being drawn to the city with the promise of what it once was. Beat the jury found the defendant DeAndre White guilty of the offense of murder. The moment DeAndre White learned his fate. He will spend the next 30 years in prison for a shooting that lasted a few seconds. But for Julia Cantor, the mother of Doug Cantor, who died in the 2021 mass shooting on 6th Street, her life was forever altered much earlier. The damage one evil person did with no regard for life took from all of us a beautiful, pure soul. Cantor had just graduated and went to Austin with his childhood friends to celebrate. Among the charges, 23-year-old Taylor Marie Cartwright is facing aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. 
KXAN's Brittany Glass spoke with the tourist she's accused of choking until he almost passed out. A caller stated on the north side of Lady Bird Lake, 20 feet in the water, he thinks he found a dead body. According to the police, they arrived to the scene to find a person dead in the lake along Cesar Chavez between South 1st Street and Congress, bringing fear to the group of friends and those that frequent the trail. We're all from Utah. We're here on for work, so there's like no reason he should be missing at all. Even worse, the council continues to sell the illusion that Machete Town is a safe environment for thousands upon thousands of visiting filmmakers, tech gurus, and musicians from all over the world, ignoring in true left-wing fashion the very real danger lurking in the shadows. It may be too late to give this advice, but in the words of Gibby Haynes of the Butthole Surfers, don't move here. John Baum reporting for InfoWars. Less than 24 hours after receiving her second dose of the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine, she was unable to move from the neck down. Last month, a Tennessee woman who was left partially paralyzed after getting her second dose of the Pfizer vaccine. Only 11 spoke with a local woman who says she lost feeling in much of her body just hours after getting Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine. You are, as you write, one of the unlucky ones who suffered, who, who got, was diagnosed with Guillain-Barre syndrome. A BC man who says he suffered a rare COVID vaccine injury that left him paralyzed will be getting financial support from the federal government. Now, if you got sick after taking the vaccine, what, what would happen if you did get sick after taking the vaccine? And when you tried to get help, everyone just treated you like you were an anti-vaxxer. The vaccine took my immune system and just shook it around again. Agony and uh, chronic pain. In our coronavirus coverage, a Utah woman and Utah senator are teaming up to get some answers. This comes after a group claims they've experienced life-altering injuries that they believe are from the vaccine. A and shocking that reaction is, uh, to the just COVID a portion vaccine. of a video. It's about 18 minutes long. Uh, just talking about people that their doctors have said they were vaccine injured from the COVID vaccine because, you know, you could find still people to this day on X saying it, it's COVID that's given these people these problems, not the vaccine. And then you go, well, did these people have the vaccine? Well, of course, but that doesn't mean anything. Anyway, I digress. I'm going to be playing clips from that video all day for the rest of the show, for the rest of our broadcast day here uh, at Infowars.com. Yes, I'm your host, Rob Dew. Thank you for joining me. I will be finishing out the war room. Uh, we're also going to be premiering a special video at the end. Owen Schroyer is doing a 30-minute, uh, what does he call this? It's um, Alex Rosen interview for the final 30. He has a uh, show that he's he puts on. He interviews extra people. About 30 minutes long, jam-packed with information. We're going to be premiering that here on the war room today in the final hour. Uh, I've got some dengue fever news that talks about mosquitoes. I've got some uh, inflation news. I've got some immigration news. And I think we want to start at the border because right now Trump and Biden are both at the border. Trump is um, he's going to be at Eagle Pass and Biden is down in Brownsville where there's not much of a border problem in Brownsville. And there hasn't been. There's really never been much of a border issue there uh, throughout the years. But uh, there you can see Biden shuffling through the uh, embankment right there. To, oh, there's nobody here. They told me it's fine. Uh. So that's what you're going to get. And there's Trump. And you can see behind him the 
Constantino wire, the fencing, the stuff they're putting in, you know, because we couldn't build, we couldn't have $5 billion to build Trump's wall. But if you look at H.R. 815, which is didn't get passed, this was in the beginning of February, they were trying to get this passed, this bill, H.R. 15, Kristen Sinema and her bipartisan bill. If you go to page, let's see, because this is for Ukrainian aid and for aid for Israel. And, yeah, we're going to help out with the border. So here on page 32, uh, Department of Health and Human Services, Administration for Children, Families, Refugee, Entrant Assistance. Just $2.3 billion, just right there. Just, boom, we're just going to have it. We can't have $5 billion for a border wall, but here's $2.3 billion. And this is for, you know, activities authorized under Section 414 of the Immigration and Nationality Act and Section 501 of the Refugee Education Assistance Act of 1980. Uh, that, amounts, that amounts to be made available up till September 30th, 2025. And it may be used for grants or contracts with qualified organizations. You know what that is, everybody? That's NGO. That's NGO speak for money, money, money. Uh, including nonprofit entities to provide culturally and linguistically appropriate services, including wraparound services. That means everything, housing assistance, medical assistance, legal assistance, case management assistance. This amount uh, made available under the heading in this act may be used by the Director of Office of Refugee Resettlement to issue awards su- and supplement awards previously made by the director. So that and that's why you have, if you look at what's going on at the border, you could see in January our border traffic dropped. They said encounters at the southern border in Texas dropped by 50% and 43% across the whole border. Yes, they started moving people from Texas to Arizona and California. That did happen. But what's going on is they need this money. That's why everybody's pleading for this money. This money isn't to help the border or to provide border security. Any money that they have is going to basically pay NGOs off to house and move and feed and give diapers to, and anything you could possibly, cell phones, anything you could possibly think of to provide that to migrants. So is this Biden live right now? Is this live? Okay. Uh, well, let's go to a little bit. Let's hear what old Biden has to say, and then we'll find, we, then we'll find out what Trump has to say. Go ahead. Doctors to help fight the flames. And FEMA has already guaranteed that Texas and Oklahoma will be reimbursed for the cost of keeping folks safe. And we're grateful for the brave first responders risking their lives to save others. And we urge, we urge folks to listen to the warnings from the local officials, listen to them. I've flown over a lot of these wildfires since I've been president. Matter of fact, I've been a helicopter in the west and the southwest and northwest, flown over more land burned to the ground all the vegetation gone than this entire state of Maryland in square footage. The idea there's no such thing as climate change. I love that, man. I love some of my Neanderthal friends uh, who still think there's no climate change. Well, my administration is going to keep building on the progress we've made fighting climate crisis, and we're going to keep... Yeah, we're, he's going to fight climate. We're going to give him more money. Himself. That man right there give more money to fight the climate crisis because he's at the border. Why? Oh, because they're climate refugees. They're not just coming here because they've been told they'll get a free place to stay, they'll get a hotel, five-star hotel in New York, you know, and if you act up, maybe we'll put you down a four-star hotel. You know, that's how, that's how the punishment works here in the United States. You get a free cell phone, you get a monthly stipend, you get three square meals a day. Um, I think I was hearing today on Fox News, they were talking to a Border Patrol uh, official, and he said there's 1.9 million last year of gotaways, which means they 
They know that they got away and they weren't able to, they didn't come in through the process of, hey, I'm here, I want to claim asylum. And he goes, why is that? Well, because they don't want to be vetted. Okay, so that's at least 1.9 million, probably 30 per 40% higher than that number. So you're talking about maybe 3 million people coming into this country, not even getting contact. We're not even vetting these people. And we're vetting some of them. You saw the guy uh, warning us, you know, oh, you're going to hear who, who I am pretty soon. We saw that video a couple months ago because that's what these people are. They're very entitled, and we're just going to keep giving them more money and shoving it down our throats so we can send more people in because the whole idea is to replace what's going on with our falling birth rate. So we want to replace that with migrants, but we don't want to teach them. We don't want to bring people here and teach them how to be Americans. No, we want a third world servant class that we can control. So guys, do we have Trump speaking on the border? Trump was there uh, with Greg Abbott earlier today at Eagle Pass, where they're actually doing a little bit of work. It's also a lot of, you know, showboating, but uh, because if they really, if, and, 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 uh, I wanted to say Dan Patrick. It's not Dan Patrick. It's the Attorney General of Texas. If you guys could tell me that in my ear. Um, the Attorney General, Greg Paxson. Um, Ken Paxson. Ken Paxson. Um, and they didn't even tell me. I got it before that. I just want you to know that out there. They're slow on the draw. Ken Paxson is finally going after the NGOs because that's where the real danger is. If you take these NGOs' money, you see, the lower the rate of migrants comes across because they don't have endless amounts of money to keep just shoving people down our throats. Once the money dries up, they go somewhere else. They go do something else. So as long as we don't give them the money, which is happening right now, you're going to actually see that traffic go down, which Biden's going to kind of take credit for. But then as soon as these people get money, I just read you the bill, 815, the next bill is going to have the same information in it. We got to give money to these NGOs so they could shove more migrants down our throat. That's where it's going to be. And you're going to have more machete attacks. You're going to have more murders. Uh, the guy who murdered the young girl in Athens, Georgia. Of course, he was uh, caught in New York uh, committing a crime, and they just let him go. And he comes down, he goes down to Georgia and murders somebody that he was raping at the same time. And what you're going to find, what you're going to find, is this: there was there's a man, and I'm going to look up this story on at the break. There was a man uh, in the 80s in Louisiana who had had four kids, and one of his sons was in Taekwondo, and the Taekwondo instructor kidnapped him and uh, molested him, raped him. And when they found him, they were bringing him back. And in the Baton Rouge airport, this good old boy uh, with a 38 is talking to his friend, said, yeah, they're coming in now. Check or listen to this. And he went around and shot the guy who raped his son. What you're going to see in the future, and this is to all these politicians and people who make these things happen. Oh, yeah, they're pulling up the video right there. Gary Plowshay. Right here. And there's where it is. That's justice right there in his eyes. Now, I don't think we should be killing our local pedos or killing anyone. But nobody wants to come to the table. Nobody wants to try to actually come up with real solutions to any of these problems. It's all about kind of how how can we twist it to our our venue instead of actually fixing the problem. But what's going to happen is, you know, a migrant murders somebody's daughter that father is going to go do that to somebody. He's going to pick somebody out, whether it's a New York City council person who doesn't want to end the sanctuary city status, whether it's the mayor, or whether it's some open border politician. Somebody is going to feel this parent's wrath. And you know what? At a point, you can't blame these people. You can't blame them for wanting to go after and, and destroy people who destroyed their lives. Because most people just want to live their life and be left alone. But that's not what's happening anymore. And people are fed up and they're pissed off. 
and we need actually more than what's going on here. We don't need barbed wire or anything. You need to go after these NGOs, haul these people into Texas, and arrest them. That's what needs to happen. They're operating in Texas. They're literally moving people around in Texas. You go to Catholic Charities. Take the head of Catholic Charities out in handcuffs today. Say you're racketeering. You're human trafficking. You're embezzling. That's what's going on. Those are the real problems that are going on. But no, we're going to put stuff at the border and have floats and talk about that and make think that that's the real solution to that problem. No, that is not the real solution. The real solution is to go after these damn NGOs. They need to be stopped. And they have to be stopped everywhere. We have to go down to Panama with Drug Task Force and stop the NGOs with their cities that they're building. In fact, there's a tweet from Ben Burkwam breaking. We just made it out of the Darien Gap for a historic fourth time, more than any other media has done as far as I know. So much to tell you guys, but I want to start with some breaking news I received from Todd Benzman just before leaving that ties into what we saw in the Darien. Apparently, the State Department, led by Secretary Blinken, is now in the business with the United Nations and the OIM to convert illegal alien economic migrants into refugees prior to them arriving at our southern border so they can simply fly them in under the radar without you knowing about it. They aren't trying to fix the problem. They're intentionally making it worse. This is treason. Basically, what he's saying is they're, they're not even going to bring these people over the border for the pomp and circumstance of getting onto a bus and being loaded up and taking to a, a church facility where they're given new clothes and cell phones and food, and then they're driven around to other bus stations or to, to the airport where they don't have to go through TSA. You know, I just went on a flight the other day. I had to go through TSA. I even got a little pat down. Okay, no, 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 not for the precious migrants. They don't get any of that. They get waltzed on in. They don't. They probably don't even know what security is. And I wonder if they ever make a real flight, if they'll be like, what are you doing? Why are you touching my balls? I'm just trying to get on this flight. But that's not what's happening. What's, ha- what's happening is these people are coming in, and they're bringing them up, and it's all being funded and run by these NGOs, and these people need to be stopped. They are the cancer that is infecting our country. They are a cancer. And of course, our bipartisan senators want to give them $2.4 billion so they can continue doing this garbage. Uh, Do we have Trump's remarks from the border today, guys? Let's go to that, and then we'll come back and we'll see what some of these entitled... Just just spread your legs there, sir. Let me check this, ho. All right, let's go to that, and we'll be back. Here's our president. Well, well, we'll go tie. Okay. That's great, Governor. Thank you very much, everybody. This is an honor to be with you. We've been spending a lot of time with the governor and everybody. And the job they've done is incredible. But, you know, sadly, we're saying it's a military operation. It's an amazing job. And if you look at uh, Arizona, they haven't done anything there. Governor hasn't done a thing, and the governor in California hasn't done a thing. People are flowing through there like nothing, but Texas is very secure and is going to be even more secure by the time you finish, which will be soon. And I just want to thank some friends of mine. Brandon Judd has been a friend from day one. He knew what we were all about and uh, knew what we were saying and doing, and I think we were ahead of our time. And uh, General Thomas Sulzer was uh, somebody that was always right there and understands this uh, Texas military department about as well as you could have. I think he understands war, because that's what you're in. You're in a war. And William Mike Gorby, you know who he is, and he's been... 
Fantastic. It's just an incredible group that you've put together, fortunately. Uh, I might ask uh, Brandon to say a couple of words, because right at the beginning, we were, uh, we were into it. We saw what was happening, and the governor was there, and then he really, he really stepped it up. It's been amazing. Uh, I came when I was lucky enough to receive his endorsement. I endorsed him also, and uh, very proudly endorsed him. And uh, a lot of things have happened in the last little while, but this is an incredible operation. Uh, Brandon, would you like to say a couple of words, please? Absolutely. Thank you, sir. President, thank you. Thank you. Uh, sir, I, wa I want you to know, your agents, my agents, they're mad as hell. Absolutely mad. The President Biden went to Brownsville, Texas, rather than going to Arizona, rather than going to San Diego, California, rather than coming to Eagle Pass, Texas, which has been the epicenter. What President Trump has seen right here is he's seen how his policies have worked, but he's also seen how he can expand upon those policies once he takes goes back into the White House. He has seen how Governor Abbott has been able to use his policies to secure this specific area, the epicenter of the last two years of the illegal border crisis that we have had to endure. And your agents, President, they are pissed. Border Patrol agents are upset that we cannot get the proper policy that is necessary to protect human life, to protect American citizens, to protect the people that are crossing the border illegally. We want to protect them as well. And we can't do that because President Biden's policies continue to invite people to cross here. Thank goodness we have a governor like Governor Abbott. Thank goodness we have somebody that's willing to run for president of the United States, forgo everything else that he's been doing. All right, this is a little too American much political posturing for my taste. Um, you know, it's 2024, and we're finally uh, a, a kind of addressing the problem. We're still not really going after the source. I mean, I know Ken Paxson said he's doing it. Let's see what happens. I want to see. I want to see some perp walks, honestly, with some of these NGOs because these people aren't doing God's work. They're literally working for communists. And communism is godlessness. That's all I got to say. And you could look at what they've done and how they treat people. It's not about kumbaya. Now let's go to this uh, this uh, video. City council meeting disrupted by protesters banging windows. Six arrested. And these were these were Ill migrants and their or illegals. I'll say illegals and their um, and their activists complaining they want more money. They're not getting enough money. So this is actually, it gets cut off. I got this from uh, Twitter, but uh, clip four, illegals protest city, uh, Seattle City Council. Here it is. Seattle City Council disrupted as asylum seekers and their supporters once again pleaded for support. <laughs> Council President Sarah Mo Nelson money. saying there are Mo limited money. resources here. I don't really want to participate in, in the, a conversation that should be had with uh, county leaders, state leaders, federal leaders. Council ultimately took a break from the meeting in the middle of chants from protesters yelling on behalf of the refugees. At one point, council member Kathy Moore requested that SPD take action. I request that we have police response. Uh, our physical safety is being threatened by the actions of the demonstrators outside banging on the windows. Eventually, arrests were made. It's the second time in two months that the group from Latin America has called upon Seattle leaders to fund their temporary housing. Refugees have been living in different area hotels. Most recently, this one in Kent. That stay was funded by Seattle taxpayers. 
Hennessy's from Venezuela said she knows this protest wasn't the most correct thing to do, but they've got kids. They feel pressured to act for them. And they're Give us free. They just want more free stuff paid for by the Seattle taxpayers. But how'd they get there? Through all that NGO money. And that's all paid for by us. See, they, they want they want to take that two point what was it two point four billion two point let's look at that number again that they that they have to have that's why the train is slowing down right now two point three three four billion see the train has slowed down a little bit because there's not enough fuel they can't just they can't put it on ludicrous speed they have to oh we're on medium speed now this is medium speed we can get them over and you know a lot of this gets funded by the migrants. Uh, paying their way through. I wonder how they're getting the money to pay their way through. Probably from the NGOs. They probably get a money card from the NGOs and they hand that over to the uh, traffickers. And so we're just basically letting this go and then we stand up at the border and go, oh, we're doing a great job. We're mad as hell, this and that. But we're not arresting people that are NGOs. Yeah, George Soros MasterCard to partner with Aid to Refugees. That's been going on since 2017. 2017. Look at that. It's crazy. So... Trump's at the border. I'm glad he went to the border. It's funny that he goes to the border where the actual action was ha- taking place and Biden went to Brownsville where there hadn't been anybody going across. And what's he doing? He's talking about climate change. That's the difference that we have in, in uh, people. So there, there we are going uh, ludicrous speed. Now, I want to just let you know, we've got... So many products at InfoWarsStore.com. I take a lot of them. DNA Force Plus, Winter Sun Plus. Uh, actually, I just took some Brain Force before I went on because uh, I got up with the kids early this morning at 6.30, and I was a little tired, and I didn't find out I was doing the show till uh, about 11 o'clock today, 10 o'clock, when um, they said, hey, uh, Owen's doing Alex's show, so you got to jump in here. So I popped some Brain Force. Um, I took some... DNA Force, there's the ashwagandha root in uh, Brain Force Plus. Amazing, amazing trouble. I did the liquid version. So that's actually Brain Force Ultra. So that's the one I did. I took two dropperfuls of that. So if I get a little out of hand yelling about NGOs, that's why. But you can too by going to InfoWarsStore.com and checking out all the great uh, products we have there. Guys, pull up the front page. Let's see what is front and center right now. I believe uh, Nitric Boost is on there. Bodies, another great product that I take every day. Nitric Boost, Turbo Force Plus in the powder canister. So you could take as much or as little as you need, kind of control your dosage. Some people don't need all that uh, all that turbo to go in their life. They just need maybe like half turbo. And uh, But that b- Bodies is great. And what really makes Bodies great is uh, the, the piperine that allows the turmeric and curcumin to be absorbed into your body better, which gives, you know, is really good help for inflammation. So... Or where are they going? Plaid? Is that what they? Is that what happened in that movie? That's an old Spaceballs movie. People never saw that. It's kind of funny. Um, yeah, they went plaid, and they went so fast. When when you know what? When you could actually put a movie out that was uh, politically incorrect and nobody cared. Mel Brooks couldn't make movies nowadays. Um, they would they would tear them apart. So we'll be back after this break. I'm going to go over some dengue fever. We'll take your calls. Uh, we'll look at some uh, inflation price comparisons because i think that stuff's always interesting 
And, uh, and then we'll go into J6 as well. We'll be back. You're watching The War Room. I'm your host, Rob Dew. Infowars.com forward slash show is where you can get the free stream. Pass that link on to everybody you know. Yeah, more people have died under COVID this year, by the way, yeah. under Joe Biden, right. than under you. And more people took the vaccine this year. So people are questioning how... Well, no, the vaccine worked, but yeah. some people aren't taking it. The ones, the ones that get very sick and go to the hospital are the ones that don't take the vaccine. But... It's still their choice. And if you take the vaccine, you're protected. Look, the oh, results thanks. of the vaccine are very good. Yeah. And if you do get it, it's a very minor form. People aren't dying when they take the vaccine. We used to go fishing, camping, do everything. We got the Pfizer vaccine because I thought it was to protect him. I thought it was the right thing to do. It was like playing Russian roulette. My government lied to me. They said it was safe. Now I go home to an empty house. This is a simple, basic proposition. If you're vaccinated, you're not going to be hospitalized. You're not going to be in an ICU unit, and you're not going to die. Multiple agencies are now investigating what caused his death. CBS 13's Marissa Perlman is in Auburn with the woman who says she witnessed that man getting this shot. Marissa? Yeah, a lot to learn about this one, Steve. First, the county posting on social media that a person was diagnosed with COVID-19 back in December and then died just hours after getting the vaccine on Thursday. This news now causing concern in this community, now questioning the safety of the COVID-19 vaccine. And the J&J, &J, if you look at them, particularly in things that we really care about that are important, it's got greater than 85% efficacy after uh, severe disease and critical disease, and there were no deaths or hospitalizations in any of the countries that were tested. And remember, they tested in the United States, in South Africa, and in South America. Oh, this a is a good vaccine. I think we need to pull away from this comparing and parsing numbers until you compare them head to head. Just be really grateful that we have three really efficacious vaccines. Local woman says her mother died two days ago after receiving the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. And now she believes the dose is what caused her mother's sudden death. Off the top at six, the CDC is investigating the death of an Ionia County wife and mother who received the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. It's one small step for Emma Berkey, but one giant leap in her recovery. It's about six months since Berkey suffered from rare blood clots after taking the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. From smiling with her family to an agonizing hospital stay, 51-year-old right, Nicole uh, Audia playing more of that throughout the rest of the show. That's an 18-minute clip, COVID-19 vaccine injury compilation, and that's for all the people out on Twitter who think that it's perfectly safe and effective. And look at that. Somebody get taking selfies while they're getting the shot. Who knows if they're taking their last selfie or not. Pretty disturbing, and it's still going on. But luckily, a lot of people have woken up. What I've found now is the people that were injured by the vaccine are almost the most outspoken for the vaccine because they're mad they took it and you didn't. That's, that's what it comes down to. That's what they're mad about. So when they gaslight you and throw facts out and ask for endless sources, even though we've been giving them sources since 2020, they're still people are still on there going, there's no HIV in the, in the COVID. I'm like, yeah. They found it 
They found it in 2020 in February. They showed scans of it. The Indians did. And then the BBC made videos about it. The guy's sitting there talking about how he made the COVID, and he said we had to put us make a spike protein for it, and we put the HIV insert on it. He says it, and it shows it right there in a graphic. It's the BBC. Oh, no, 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 no. None of that exists. That's what exists now. So, anyway, I'm still a little bent about it. But let's move on. Uh, we have a writer from Blaze News, investigative writer Steve Baker, says the FBI wants him to surrender Friday in Dallas over his January 6th reporting. That's a whole new level. He's been uh, where, to where to, instructed to turn in himself into the agency's field office at 7 a.m. wearing shorts and sandals because they want to place him in an orange jumpsuit and do the prisoner transport routine. He'll appear at 10 a.m. At a, at a hearing at a federal magistrate. Um, they've been told my charges are only misdemeanors. They've assured him this will be an in-and-out affair with no intention to detain me. But we'll see. This is the latest step. The latest step. Because, oh, we had documentary film companies inside the Capitol on January 6th, and they're okay. Nancy Pelosi's friends that were shooting video, they're fine. Nothing happened to them. But it's amazing. It's amazing. Here's a, an update for people who uh, knew Joe Biggs. He was here at InfoWars as a reporter for a few years. Then he went on, out on his own. I uh, was a proud boy. Um, There's an article from Alicia Powell at WorldNet Daily talking about the torture that he endured on his way uh, being transferred from prison to prison. They call it dieseling. And what they do is strap you to a chair guys i'm going to back up a little bit so you can kind of see here so they strap you to a chair and you're and you can't move like this and you're being held and you can't move they don't let you go to the bathroom and they held you there for many hours and they drive around and you can't ever get comfortable because you're strapped and your feet are strapped you can't move and so people are like oh that doesn't hurt after five six hours it starts hurting it is a form of torture but if there is a bright side to this, I'll go to the end. Uh, among inmates currently surrounding Biggs and FCI Talladega, most are plagued with disturbing criminal histories. Biggs is a leader and an inspiration. His surprisingly warm reception in the correctional facility has promoted Biggs to begin executing the goal he vowed would become his life's work before he was found guilty of seditious conspiracy. He now sees constructively using the tragic circumstances for which he finds himself having protested the theft of the 2020 presidential election as an opportunity to do good, not just to push for prison reform, but to teach other prisoners about the U.S. Constitution and the American system that is rapidly being destroyed by the same forces that are putting hundreds of innocent patriots in prison. So prisons filled with probably a lot of lifelong Democrats. And now in Talladega, they are getting a constitutional lesson from Joe Biggs. Let's go to this. Since we had Biden talking about uh, climate change, man-made climate change. Here, here is a tweet from at Stephanie Myers, and it comes out from the Made America Again, Inc., and it shows the Biden inflation continues to harm Americans. Since taking office in January 2021, American households are spending 
49% more on air transportation, 41% more on spectator sports, 39% more on repairs of household furniture and appliances, 36% more on hotels and motels, 35% more in gasoline and other motor fuels, 34% more on eggs, 32% more on vehicle leases, 32% more on public transportation, 28% more on vehicle maintenance and repair, 27% more on electricity and gas, 27% more on bread, 27% more on school meals, 24% more on poultry, beef and veal, 22% more on cars and used trucks, 21% more on food overall, 21% more on new cars and new trucks. Actually, it's you get you get a little more for a used car than you used to. 20% more on tools, hardware, and other household supplies, 19% more on rent, and 18% more on non-prescription drugs. That's what you get in Biden's America as people talk about how great the economy is. And here's an article out of the New York Post. Abandoned McDonald's on remote Alaskan Island reveals shockingly low prices from 1994. Uh, fun fact, I used to work at McDonald's in the early 90s, so I actually remember seeing some of these, although I think I was out by 94. I think I did it in 90, 91. So a Big Mac meal, let's see. An orange juice was $1.10. A coffee was $0.49. Cents. Uh, French fries for a small or unless that was a medium, it was ninety nine cents, dollar twenty nine for a large Big Mac four fifty nine. These are extra value meals, so a whole Big Mac meal four fifty nine. Uh, somebody tracked down Chase Geyser. He paid. He goes. I said, "How much was your?" He had some Wendy's. I said, "How much was that?" He goes, "It, it was under twenty dollars." <laughs> That's where we've gone to from four fifty nine to under twenty dollars for a meal. We'll be back with more. You're watching the War Room. I'm your host, Rob Dew. And we've got to get to this other breaking story as we speak. The FDA and the CDC has announced that they are now recommending a pause in the use of Johnson & Johnson's vaccine. The FDA and CDC calling for a pause in the use of the single-dose shot out of an abundance of caution. Was a pause necessary in your view? Yes, I believe it was necessary for a couple of reasons. So what's going on here? Sudden death among healthy working age people worldwide is skyrocketing. Here in America, it was up 40% during the third and fourth quarters of 2021. Our next guest contends a 10% jump would have been a one in 200 year event, but this was 40%. And so we have a health problem, a national health crisis, and at the very least, it should be examined and discussed openly. Unfortunately, the vaccine is a taboo subject. And uh, it's not allowed to be discussed in the mainstream media or pretty much anywhere near health authorities. So this is a problem that needs to be reckoned with. We need a national discussion about it. And, you know, if I'm proven wrong, that's great. But unfortunately, uh, on Wall Street, when we see statistics like this um, and and trend changes like this, uh, we become quite alarmed. And that's what I do for a living. Family says the mother and grandmother was healthy before she got her shot and that her sudden death came as a shock. Eyewitness News reporter Jessica DeNova has more. This Orange County son worries his mom died because of her second Moderna COVID-19 vaccine dose. A conversation with staff at the OC coroner's office about Griselda Flores' death raised red flags for Richard Cardenas and his family. They made it seem like this was like not the first call that they had. And in this video, I'm going to be talking about a 13-year-old boy in Michigan who died three days after getting the Pfizer vaccine. The cause of death is being investigated by the CDC. And according to the patient's aunt on Twitter, the preliminary autopsy report 
showed that he had fluid around his heart. And it has been almost seven months since Abby received the vaccine. Her right arm continues to shake. Mm-hmm. After exercise, with any weight bearing exercise, it shakes uncontrollably. Um, all of our questions and concerns were met with uncertainty. The doctors did not know. Could Abby's injuries get better? Could they get worse as she ages? Is this the early stages of Parkinson's? No one knows. And, no and that's one the great unknown. Do you know why they What's going to happen to me in the future now no that I've taken this vaccine? Not me. I'm talking about the people out there that accepted the COVID-19 uh, GMO shot into their bodies. And the naysayers and the gaslighters on X can say, oh, it doesn't do anything to your genes. And then they find uh, SV40 virus in the vaccine, which is the DNA from the simian virus 40, which has been shown to cause cancer. Oh, that's why cancer rates are going up. There's no cancer rates going up. There's no excess deaths. They just keep gaslighting you because they're afraid because they took it. And they don't know what's going to happen to them. And I, you know, kind of understandable. Understandable. So I want to shift gears and get onto this article that Jamie White put out yesterday. This is actually the 26th. Dengue fever surges by 400% in Brazil after Bill Gates backed gene edited mosquito released. So dengue fever has spiked fourfold in Brazil in 2024 following the release of millions of genetically ended, uh, edited mosquitoes by the United Nations World Mosquito Program. So it's four times greater in uh, the first five weeks of 2024. There's 364,000 cases have been reported four times in the same period of 2023. So I went back and I'm like, Brazil, dengue fever. I remember us talking about this many times. So I went back into the old InfoWars archive section and found a few articles. And we'll start with, uh, here's one from 2010. No, this is 2014. Let me find the 2010. So we'll go in order. 2010, right here, viruses and the GM, GM insect flying vaccine solution. This is from Brandon Tuberville of, uh, of Activist Post. Where? Right there. Go to the document. Let me see it. There we go. Oh, that. Okay, I see what you're saying. Right there. There we go. Oh, you're over here. All right, so I'm going to go here. Oh, you're putting my picture in the shot. I see what you're doing. There you go. So there's that one. Biofarms to integrate vaccines, pharmaceuticals into GMO biopharmaceutical crops. This was 2012. And what are they talking about now? Putting vaccines in the lettuce and in tomatoes. Okay. 2012, 2024. Uh, let's see. Let's do this one. Unapproved GM mosquitoes being shipped to the U.S. for release. Tell the Florida Keys Mosquito Control District to stop the GE mosquito experiment. I've actually got a video about this um, from a company called Oxitech, but we were actually covering this in 2012, not in 2014 when it was happened. And I'll, I'll go to that. In fact, actually, let's go to that now because I want to play the first five minutes of it. This is uh, Hayden Perry with Alex Jones back in 2012 talking about dengue fever and mosquitoes. Here it is. Why are all these mosquitoes being released in Brazil? Well, you have the Olympics in Brazil, Summer Olympics in 2016. You're going. So this is a big moment. A bunch of. Dengue mosquitoes should be AJ Oxitech CEO Mosquito 2012. All right, so so tell us about yourself, the company, what this particular uh, genetically modified mosquito does. Sure. Well, um, the company itself is a small UK company. We're about 40 people. We came out of uh, Oxford University. 
What we have pioneered is a way of effectively producing sterile insects, and we focus on those species that either um, spread disease like dengue fever or that damage crops in terms of agriculture. So we've got two, two sides to what we do, both the public health side and the agriculture. Um, the one that uh, we're talking about here um, is the mosquito called Aedes aegypti, and it basically has come out of Africa. It's spread itself around the world, and it when it, when you have Aedes aegypti in an urban environment, and someone comes into that environment with dengue fever, then you have the conditions with which the dengue fever will spread from person to person, because dengue fever is only spread by the bite of a mosquito. Um, and there's no vaccine, there's no medication uh, for dengue fever. And quite frankly, chemicals have done a poor job in, in, in uh, reducing the incidence, because this mosquito is very difficult to uh, to kill with, with uh, insecticides because it lives in and around your home. Now, I know in places like Australia, yeah. from the numbers, you're the expert on this, a lot of yeah. people get dengue fever, some do die. But here in the U.S., what, 30 cases last year, 60 the year before that? I think it's zero so far uh, with the mosquitoes. Uh, why release these in Florida? Florida Keys did not have dengue um, for years and years. You have to go back 20, 30 years. I don't even remember the the, the last case. And then in 2009, they got about 29 cases. And those were people who had not traveled. So in other words, they got dengue locally in the Keys. So what they did is they responded by, you know, very much increased um, manpower to carry out surveillance, remove breeding sources, carry out chemical treatments. They increased all of the levels of activity a huge amount. And the following year, they had about 67 cases there or thereabouts. Um, so they hadn't managed to control it. Now, last year, thankfully, they had no cases at all, which is terrific. What does and dengue fever do to you? It's uh, flu-like symptoms. It's known as breakbone fever, which gives you a clue. It, it, it sort of, um, it can be anything actually from asymptomatic all the way through up to uh, hemorrhagic fever where blood vessels burst and shock syndrome and then ultimately death. But normally speaking, people would have a very severe um, uh, flu, um, severe headaches, um, feel as if their bones are breaking. It's very, it's very frightening and unnerving. Um, it's not normally fatal, um, but it is very unpleasant. What are these mosquitoes? How are they changed? What do they do? How do they supposedly m mitigate uh, the dengue fever problem? Okay, so how, how they changed? What we've done is we've put a gene into uh, these mosquitoes, and that gene causes the offspring, the next generation, to die. Now, there are two interesting facts about mosquitoes. Firstly is males don't bite you, and males don't spread disease. And the second thing is that mosquitoes actually don't travel very far, so they travel about 200 yards in their life. So what we do is we have mosquitoes, we, we breed them, which are in effect sterile, so their offspring will not survive. We release males into the environment because males are the ones that are safe, they don't bite. They will mate with the females that are out there. Um, and then instead of that female, which potentially could produce up to 500 live um, 
adults in her lifetime, those offspring will not occur. They will die before they reach adulthood. Mm. So effectively, it's birth control for insects. Okay, let's hold it right there. Birth control for insects. We send in the males. We're going to pick that clip up, but I'm going to play another clip from Alex Jones and Dr. Group in 2016 explaining uh, it actually kind of foreshadows what happened in this clip. And uh, it's interesting to look at this at a whole level. So we're going to finish up the uh, next half hour with the dengue fever mosquito. Why are all these mosquitoes being released in Brazil? Well, you have the Olympics in Brazil, Summer Olympics in 2016. You're going to have representatives and, and people, contestants, athletes, fans from every country in the world in one central location. And that's where they're releasing this virus. So it's a perfect vector to spread this disease all over. Now they say it can be... But even better, then everybody's got to have the vaccine when you, quote, get your shots to go to Brazil. And then who knows what will be in the Bill of Melinda Gates developed Zika vaccine. Exactly. The, the vaccine. And now they're telling people not to uh, have babies till 2018. And the pesticide levels that what I hear are going to be sprayed not only in South America, Brazil, but all over the world. The USDA just approved a new super roundup herbicide. I've got that article right here, actually. So you're going to have billions and billions of tons of extra pesticides being sprayed upon us. And you're going to have more hospital visits, which is good for the pharmaceutical. Let me ask you this question, Dr. Group. Why isn't anybody other than the top bioweapons expert in the U.S. and us and a few others pointing out this is suspicious, that Bill and Melinda Gates, they're connected to Zika. They they say they want to reduce our population. The White House science czar wants to do it. You've got the Rockefeller Foundation owns it. Uh, they're developing a vaccine. They're the usual suspects. I mean, why are they so obvious about what they do? I, I think it's where Bill Gates opens up the mosquitoes in the crowded room and says, it's okay, it'll reduce our population, and points at the board with an equation to bring us down to zero. I mean, he's just there doing it. He goes, there's no reason only the poor people should have to go through this. And he's actually telling you metaphysically what he's doing to you in front of you. Uh, First, we've got population. Uh, The world today has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, health care, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. But there we see an increase of uh, about 1.3. Now, malaria is, of course, transmitted by mosquitoes. Uh, I brought some here so you could uh, experience this. We'll let, let those roam around the uh, auditorium a little bit. There. There's no reason only poor people should have, have the experience. Uh, For some reason in lore, that's what bad guys have to do. They have to tell you first what they're going to do. We'll see the genetically modified mosquitoes are males, and what they're designed to do is mate with the females in nature. So what you're doing is you're taking a genetically modified mosquito made by man, and you're introducing it into nature, which is a natural mosquito. So automatically, you're going to have alterations in genetic codes for the offspring. So what it's designed to do is stop the female mosquito from replicating that Zika virus, and it's supposed to kill the larva. 
The problem with that is, and the reason, if you look into the research, why all those mosquitoes were released in Brazil. You can actually Brazil, soup them up. It's actually, they're souping them up, claiming it's an eradication program. And after they do that, suddenly it explodes and gets worse. That, so, so the headline is, after Bill and Melinda Gates tinker with Zika, it gets worse. Well, what they're failing to mention is the fact that Brazil has the highest level of tetracycline, which is an antibiotic, of any other country. And more tetracycline is used for animals and humans than anywhere else in the world. And there's high levels of tetracycline in That's all right. the water That's right. Supply. We think America is cheating with chemicals and, and with drugs for the animals. You think we have beef, folks? We have nothing compared to Brazil or Chile or all those countries. We we don't produce the beef here. And absolutely, they are just feeding them whatever they want down there. Well, what happens is these genetically modified mosquitoes, if there's in the presence of tiny, tiny amounts of tetracycline, it does not kill the larva like it's supposed to of the, it, of the female. It, it makes them drug resistant, including the Zika. Yeah, so they even they've even admitted up to fifteen percent of the mosquitoes are now new strains of mosquitoes that are being developed with the Zika. So it doesn't even with the tetracycline in the water. And by the way, imagine all work. the thousands of cross species chimeras, the pharmacological crops. Now zoologically, you don't get diseases your dog does, but now forget dog, we can get insect diseases. I mean, we are just breaking all the bonds and allowing everything to jump cross species. Totally insane. All they know is that prior to my vaccine, I was healthy, I was whole. And then after my vaccine, I had complete paralysis of my body. I've regained the upper body strength and I'm working towards both toes moving on left and right. Schofield was active and healthy until about two weeks after receiving his second Pfizer vaccine in July of 2021. I started to get a tingling sort of heat sensation in my left foot. And then uh, <clears throat> within two hours, I was paralyzed from the waist down. Both hands, they're, um, as you can see, they're, they're curled in, um, and I don't have a lot of wrist strength. Um, that makes obviously doing pretty much everything a challenge. The former pilot and realtor developed a rare neurological disorder called Guillain-Barre syndrome after receiving the AstraZeneca vaccine in April of 2021. In September last year, Hayden, like millions of others, got his first Pfizer vaccine. Two weeks later, while he and fiancé Jax were looking at wedding venues in Nelson, he started feeling like he was having a heart attack. I went to bed and woke up at about, I think it was about 3 a.m. with like severe chest pain. Every time my heartbeat was like like a real deep stabbing pain. And I was like, babe, we're gonna, I'm in a bad way. Well, I think I'm dying. And then we shot to the hospital in Nelson and we're like, oh yeah, you've got pericarditis. It's been a long road to recovery for Maddie John. It's a really uncomfortable and um, quite a frightening experience. He felt like he was having a heart attack two days after getting the Pfizer vaccine. I went and had the second and that, and then it got really bad. And I, within about a week, I had lost. My hands didn't really work. It's there until I go to bed and I take sleeping pills because I can't sleep because of the pain. Brianne Dressen is a preschool teacher in Saratoga Springs who participated in the AstraZeneca clinical trial back in November. We all knew that some people were going to draw the short straw and that includes her. I'm on the bowling team from the high school, Dyer County. And uh, I noticed when I was throwing the ball that I couldn't feel my arms or legs. 
So I was freaking out. Her parents took her to see a doctor in Jackson. And when we got in finally, um, my doctor, my PA, told me like right off the bat what she thought it was. She was like, you have Gillian Beret. In the morning, I was just looking and I thought, gosh, something is weird with my face. And I thought, whatever, I slept funny, no big deal. And by the end of the day, my husband even, I was asking him, like, this is weird now. And even with kindness, he had to say, yes, it was. A phone consult with Gibson's And this lady here, I recognize her. She, had um, Bell's she put out a video later how she would do it again. She would take the vaccine again. So this is just an 18-minute compilation. We're playing parts of it throughout the show. That'll probably be the last clip. Uh, because at the bottom of the hour, we're going to play... Um, from the 30 minutes, this is uh, something Owen Schroer is producing for Infowars.com. It is child predator catches warns parents, or child predator catcher warns parents how easy it is for pedophiles to get access to children. So if you have kids, if they're online, you need to watch this. Know the warning signs, know what to do, and uh, have Alex Rosen on speed dial because he may come and uh, be a predator approacher for you. Now, uh, just a few top stories. We're going to get back into the dengue fever slash GMO mosquito report. Uh, Brazil rushes out dengue vaccine amid country's biggest ever outbreak. Takeda and Biological E announced collaboration for dengue vaccine. New single dose dengue vaccine shows 80% protection. You see that? 80% protection. Remember when the COVID vaccine was at 80%? Well, actually, before that, it was at 100%. And then it kept going down. Then it ended up being 50. Then it you know gave you AIDS. And that's kind of how it works. Um, but we've got more on this. I want to go back to the Alex Jones interview from 2012 of the with the CEO from Oxitec, who is the company that makes these GMO mosquitoes. You heard from Dr. Group and Alex Jones in the first segment of the hour, uh, basically talking about how they, they take the males and they put the males in with the females Um and he's going to admit that uh, in this inter- the second part of this interview that some of the males or some of the females do get out and they're spreading around. They can't get them all. They can't separate them all when they're when they're uh, making the batches. And then the uh, tetracycline, that's the key because there's tetracycline everywhere. And then when these mosquitoes hit it, it doesn't kill their larva. So it actually doesn't do what it's supposed to do. So then they keep going. And I've got some numbers that I want to show you guys because they started this in uh, this dengue fever, uh, dengue GMO mosquito, I guess you'd call it a vaccine, or program back in 2014. But let's finish up with the AJ Oxitec CEO interview and uh, notice what he says about all this. Pretty interesting to hear all this information now many years later and have it in a different perspective. But here it is. Let me read to you out of New Yorker on page 44 in this uh, current uh, July 9th issue. It says environmentalist have expressed concern about what might happen if some of the modified females survived and while biting people, injected them with an engineered protein. <laughs> Oxytech separates males from females, but with so many mosquitoes, a few genetically modified females invariably slip by. Oxytech puts the number at about one in 3,000. This is a nightmare scenario, and we don't have any published data that answers the question. And I saw a quote in my stack here from someone at your company, it may have been you, correct me if I'm wrong, saying, hey, they're not going to pass any of their DNA or whatever onto you or viruses, RNA. Uh, but, I mean, doesn't a female mosquito 
bites you and injects saliva into you to liquefy before assanguating the uh, the portion the uh, delicious meal so she can produce her larva. Uh, I mean, so but I mean, you're saying there's no danger. No, we're saying there's no danger, but I would also emphasize that um, everything we do, whenever we work in any country, we always work with the experts, whoever they may be, whether it's the Ministry of Health, whether it's um, a leading research institute, and we also always work with under whatever regulatory system there is. What we've done is we've put in two, two, two changes, if you like, to produce this sterility effect. Now, these, um, this protein that's expressed is, doesn't come up in the salivary glands of, of the female. You can't find it there. So you're not, you're not going to get any mosquito biting you and past this protein. Um, even if you did, this protein, we've done very thorough studies on it, and it doesn't show up in any of the um, databases as an allergen or, or toxic or whatever. Um, so it looks absolutely safe. Um, and... It's not in the salivary glands. And the other thing, which is a bit more anecdotal and less scientific, is obviously we work with them all the time and we've all been bitten over and over again. I think the concern here, Hayden, is uh, how does the gene uh, cut off the life cycle or sterilize? What does it do in these? Because, you know, we have the UN and all these other people, uh, the, the, the science are at the White House saying we want to put stuff in the food and water to sterilize or reduce population. That seems to be the moonraker, you know, dream uh, of these uh, neo-eugenicists. Do you get some of the apprehension out there that people have or should we just should we just embrace it right now and, and just inject ourselves with mosquito genetics? <laughs> no, I think um, I think what we have. As societies, we have a number of challenges in, in all walks of life. And I think what we try and do is to innovate, to make things safer, to make them more environmentally um, sustainable. And I think that's what we're seeing here. I mean, at the end of the day, what are we doing at the moment about mosquitoes? We produce chemicals which are like a blanket bombing approach. We swamp the place with chemicals. At the same time as we're trying to take out the dengue mosquito, we're also taking out umpteen other species, um, which which do no harm at all and also disrupt the food chain. And bioaccumulates so, in us. Oh, I agree that... And accumulates. So, you know, we, we are already carrying out a very, what I would call fairly brutal way of trying to solve a particular problem spread by one mosquito, which is in and around the home. And also we're not being successful because this mosquito, despite best efforts, is not controlled. So if anyone wants to look at the Florida Keys uh, website, you'll see that even now, one in five houses, they find uh, mosquito they, this particular mosquito in. We're only looking to take out the one insect that's causing the problem and that insect shouldn't be there it should not be in the keys it should not be in the states it came from africa this mosquito has a gene that when it's inherited by the offspring results in the offspring dying before they get to adulthood basically it disrupts the way in which the cells grow now of course if you have that in a in a in a in a, in a mosquito and it can't get to adulthood, then you're, the next question is, well, how on earth can you create enough mosquitoes to put them out into the environment? Um, so, the, so the system has a way in which we can block that effect. So we can actually feed these mosquitoes in the production environment with um, a chemical called tetracycline. That actually suppresses the lethal effect, and it does it through a molecular blocking effect. It doesn't do it because it's an antibiotic. It's a pure sort of lock and key um, 
molecular effect. So in the laboratory or the lab, you can actually effectively give them these mosquitoes an antidote. You can create large numbers of them, and then you can withdraw that. And for the uh, generation that you're going to release, you just release the males. They don't have access to the tetracycline in the open environment. Um, and by definition, they then do they're, have they're sterile. They're carrying that gene. Yeah, they go out and breed with the females, and every time they breed with a female, instead of that female having 70 to 100 eggs each time and up to 500 in their lifetime, then they won't produce viable offspring. Now, if you keep releasing the males over a period of time, um, then you'll bring that population right down. Brings the population right down. Unless they have access to tetracycline, which is all over South America. So they spray it everywhere. Now, when these mosquitoes get into it, they don't die like they're supposed to because it's the antidote. That's what the scientists said, right? Both scientists, actually, Dr. Group and uh, Hayden, what was his last name? Hayden Perry, who was nice enough to come on. I mean, that was the CEO of the company that makes these genetically modified mosquitoes, and he came on to talk to Alex. Notice the amazing Skype from 2012. And why don't we have Skype like that now? Skype sucks now compared to that. It's always dropping. And I mean, I look at that. It's like, looks crystal clear. Amazing. Makes you wonder what's really going on in the Skype factory. Uh, a couple more articles. Scientists warn supercharged GMOs could be used as bioweapons. This shows the altered, uh, the genes and uh, from Julie Fiddler and, uh, and how they alter the chromosomes and the wild type. And then they make these mosquitoes that supposedly die. But unless they get that. Now, here in 2014, Brazil releases good mosquitoes to fight dengue fever. There it is right there. Okay. But now, what do we have? We have fever surges by 400% in Brazil after Bill Gates' back gene-edited mosquitoes released. Now, I want to show you this. Here we have a chart. Number of dengue cases in Brazil from 2015 to 2023. Right here. Here's 2015. So it was introduced in 2014. You can see it went up for a couple of years and then it dropped. So it seemed, oh, maybe it's working. Then it went up again, then it dropped a little, and now it's going back up. And now we're on, on a pace to go four times more than this number. That's where we're on pace for with the uh, first two months of 2024. So that's 12 million. See, that's a 3 million right there, 3 million cases. Now we're going to be up to 12 million. But don't worry, they have a vaccine ready now. So they've created more dengue fever. Why? Because the mosquitoes are getting the tetracycline. They're not dying. Now there's more mosquitoes giving more people dengue fever. And it's literally a mad scientist program going on. And it's all because there's something in the environment that they're not taking into account. They're using the same piece of their, that tetracycline. They're using that in the lab to keep these mosquitoes from dying. Then they go out in the wild, they get the tetracycline, they stay alive, and the offspring don't die. And then there's more dengue fever, but they have a vaccine that they say is 80% effective. Isn't that all amazing? Let's just show a little from the BBC uh, video from 2014. Here it is. So this is a big moment. A bunch of dengue mosquitoes being released out into the open. You'd think... People would be running away from this, but 
this media circus, all the attention that this is generating is because these are actually special mosquitoes. They're the same kind that transmit dengue fever, but they were brought from the lab. They have been infected by a bacteria that's called Volbachia that keeps it from transmitting the dengue virus and is then being tested as a way to avoid dengue fever from spreading, which is a big problem here in Brazil. And this is happening here in Tubiacanga. This is the very first place in Brazil and in the American continent to receive these mosquitoes. And I'm here with the head of this research here in Brazil for Fiocruz, Luciano Moreira. He has a little pot full of mosquitoes flying around. Uh, what is the time frame for this uh, project? How long will it take for, for residents here to start feeling an effect? So we will have the Volbacca to be established until maybe the end of the year. And maybe the next thing season, we will probably see a reduction of dengue cases happening in Tubiacanga. Next year already? Maybe. All right, now let's go to the chart. We can cut that out. So he, I, I just wanted you to hear that part where he says it's the next... Uh, season it'll start going down it actually started going up then it went down and then it started going up and up and now it's going back up again so it's boom 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 now it's going up and now but now they have a vaccine but now they have mosquitoes that aren't dying so that's another way to look at gain of function when you start messing with these things they have unintended consequences. When you mess with nature, it has unintended consequences. So my advice is stop messing with nature. Get a mosquito net. That's my advice. Okay, uh, we're about to go to break. I'm going to get to a video b uh, about what happens to COVID. There, Ron Johnson had a um, a symposium, another symposium, which was amazing. And I want to go to a video from Dr. Sabine Hazen um, talking about what happens to your gut uh, with COVID. But before we do that, I just want to let you know, we are listener-supported here at Infowars.com, and we have amazing products that you need. Bodies, if you have inflammation, if you have sore muscles and bones after working out, Bodies is what you need. I take Bodies every night, especially after I ride. I try to ride three times a week, about 20 miles each time, and I need Bodies at the end of the day because I'm getting old, and, and, and my ass needs some anti-inflammation. So there it is, Bodies, right there, Infowarsstore.com, 40% off. For joint support, for mobility support, for flexibility support, and inflammation support. 95% curcuminoids. And then it's got uh, organic spearmint, sage, uh, pepperine, uh, lemon balm, and thyme. All that mixes together to make the bodies work. It's not that you're, you're missing uh, turmeric in your body, but the turmeric and curcumin helps go after the inflammation which is in your body and thereby reducing that, which lets your body heal faster, heal on its own better. Uh, we also have 40% off on Nitric Boost. That helps with your blood um, and opening up your blood vessels so they can flow better, so you're not getting as constricted, so you can move around and uh, do the things you want to do longer. Turbo Force Plus, also 40% off. It's got all kinds of stuff in it, like vitamin C, niacin B6, taurine, L-theanine, green leaf extract, Herba mate leaf extract and uh, cola nut extract. Lots of things, a whole bunch more stuff. Go check it out at InfoWarsStore.com. Check out Turbo Force. Check out Winter Sun Plus, DNA Force Plus. It's all there, and it supports everything we're doing here. We need your support more than ever, especially as we get into this election season with all the craziness going on. We need to be out in the field more. We've been doing it. We want to do more. And uh, with that, I want to go to this video 
from Dr. Sabine Hazen, gastroenterologist, talking about the effects of COVID on your lower intestine or the COVID vaccine. Here it is. Through my experience, I will show you how difficult it was to conduct research and publish when the research goes against the national public health narrative. Interference and delay in research happened and affects all of us. In early 2020, my research genetic sequencing laboratory was the first lab to document the entire sequence of the virus in the stools, as opposed to the PCR, which is just a little piece of the virus. We discovered that the virus lingered in the stools for up to 45 days. It took six months to publish this publication at a time where everybody needed to know that it was in your stools. My lab also showed that COVID-19 in the stools was killed by hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin. But unfortunately, azithromycin and hydroxychloroquine killed the microbiome. System pressures delayed us, and we got a green light to start recruiting by May 2020. By then, the media created fear around hydroxychloroquine. It was impossible to recruit. This drug was safely given for years for arthritis and lupus with no problems. My clinical trials companies were also banned and censored from advertising on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Remember, I do clinical trials for a living, and never as a clinical trial doctor have I not been able to advertise to recruit for a trial on social media. I discovered that messenger RNA vaccines killed the bifidobacteria. I knew I would never be able to publish this because it goes against the narrative. So I submitted it to my college, the American College of Gastroenterology, and presented it in October 2022. This abstract won a research award at the American College of Gastro, beating 6,000 abstracts. That's from academic centers like Harvard and Mayo Clinic and MD Anderson. This abstract got the attention of 18,000 GI doctors who all of a sudden started realizing maybe killing bifidobacteria is why I got COVID after my vaccine to begin with. It is nearly impossible to publish data that goes against the national public health narrative. If doctors cannot publish the data, they cannot find solution to fix the problems. So in conclusion, I will finish with showing this. This represents clinical trials that I've done for pharmaceutical companies prior to COVID, amongst them, our vaccine studies, yes, I brought vaccines to the market, proton pump inhibitors, cardiac drugs, biologics for all sorts of conditions, Uh, first postpartum depression drug, drugs that never made it to the market because they killed people. Clinical trials doctors follow guidelines that allows the industry to provide safe drugs. These guidelines were not followed during the pandemic. And because of that, Everyone is affected. COVID should have been a time where humanity joined forces together and doctors needed to come together. It's a shame that it didn't happen. Interference with research affects all of us. This should not be political. Science is a story that evolves. 
It's a multitude of experiments that allow us to see medicine, to give hopes to patients. Skepticism, challenging the current state of knowledge, having an open mind must be allowed if we have any hope of moving science forward. What I saw this pandemic was not science. That's right. It was uh, mandates. It was a hand coming down over you. It was keeping you from knowing the truth. But we might be getting a little bit of truth. Uh, Here's the final story of this hour, and then we're going to wrap it up with the child predator. Catcher warns parents how easy it is for pedophiles to get access to children. But here we are. Governor Ron DeSantis signs Jeffrey Epstein grand jury bill in Palm Beach. He's releasing the records from the 2006 grand jury records related to the Epstein sex crime. So we may get a little more. Thank you, Governor Ron DeSantis. And with that, I'm Rob Dew. You can follow me on X at Dews News, D-E-W-S-N-E-W-Z. And uh, stay tuned. we got Owen Schroyer with Alex Rosen. It's going to be a great interview. Check it out. Interesting guests. Censored topics. It's InfoWars 30 Minutes with Owen Schroyer. Brought to you by InfoWarsStore.com. If your children have access to the Internet or a cell phone, you might be surprised who has access to them. One individual who has exposed some of the darker corners of this Internet phenomenon of adults looking for children to sexually exploit online is Alex Rosen from Predator Poachers. And he joins me now to talk about what it's like to expose child predators on the internet looking for access to your children. Alex, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but you actually just came here from San Antonio where you busted another child predator. Yes, we are very, very busy. Uh, we're here in Austin right now. Tomorrow we're going to be in Huntsville, Alabama, get, hopefully getting two people. So, uh, yeah, we get around. So no days off for you. Even before you came in for this interview, you said, I'm going to bust one more. Yes. Is this like, is there an adrenaline rush for you? Are you almost, dare I say, addicted to exposing and catching these people? Uh, I would say it's an addiction. Um, this is, It kind of is like a My Strange Addiction thing, except the addiction is like productive. Um, I have a great time doing it. And the reason for that being is, one, I mean, it's just fun to, you know, mentally screw with people that have been screwing with children for God knows how long. And two, it's a really fulfilling feeling knowing that what we're doing is making a difference. I mean, the amount, the sheer amount of kids that I know aren't in the hands of these child predators because of our efforts, uh, me and the teams, um, it's a really good feeling to know, and it's nice to see that a difference is being made. Well, that's a whole other issue of getting results and arrests, and I do want to get to that. But how much of this are you able to control or schedule? Like, did you know you were going to bust this guy today, or did the opportunity present itself and you said, hey, let's do this before we travel? Uh, very rarely do we have like a, let's just wait and see what we get. Um, when we make these trips across the country, we do, uh, have a schedule. So this guy was on the list today. Obviously they don't know they're on the list. So we kind of have to run on predator time. So, um, in this case he wasn't home when we went to go knock. So I had to call him as like a mailman and say, Hey, I got a package for you. So that he came to the house and that's when we, uh, interrogated him. And that's usually a tactic you use is with mail, right? That was a tactic that I've seen you use before. Is that one that they just think, oh, I'm getting some mail, and so they'll answer, they'll tell you whether they're home or not? Yeah, everybody's excited about a package, even like grown men trying to prey on kids. So, yeah, they, they fall for it too. Well, and you mentioned here from your video earlier today that law enforcement is a hit or miss. You made a direct reference to it being in San Antonio. So is it 
kind of a jurisdictional thing or just in general you never know if police are actually going to apprehend the predators you catch? Um, it's 100% a jurisdictional thing. Like tomorrow when we're going to be in Huntsville, I'm positive these people are going to get arrested. We have seven arrests in Huntsville, Alabama alone. Um, we're seven for seven there, seven catches, seven arrests. But in San Antonio and Bear County, it's really a toss-up. So I have to go to court in two weeks in Bear County for a middle school teacher we caught with tons of child porn. and A teacher? Yeah, yeah, middle school teacher. Uh, well, the individual you caught today was an engineer. Mm-hmm. And I think you've maybe caught some engineers before. Oh, I'm sure. Well, I, I find that strange because people would think, you know, an engineer that requires a higher degree, some sort of a level of, um, you know, commitment to a, a career and to studying. Mm-hmm. And then you deal with a teacher as well. I mean, is there any pattern as far as career paths? Because normally you'd think these are just deranged people, maybe some mental issues. They stay at home all day. But I mean, an engineer earlier today, a middle school teacher earlier this year in San Antonio. Yes, uh, we get everybody from, yeah, just mentally deranged people that you would call special needs all the way up to teachers and engineers. Um, yeah, the teacher earlier this year, he was in Converse, Texas, but the same county as San Antonio, it's just a suburb, and he got arrested on child pornography and online solicitation of a minor, which is him trying to go after a fake 14-year-old boy. How many individuals have you caught in, I mean, I would just say childhood education, but there's other access, there's other jobs that give you access to children as well, other than education. Is that a pattern that you notice? Um, I don't really, when it comes to jobs, I don't really notice too many patterns with it. Uh, this really doesn't have a lot of, I mean, yeah, sure. They definitely want to be around children, but they don't have to be, their job doesn't really neglect them being around children. If they want to be, they can be, whether it's stepkids, their own kids or whatever. But I think the biggest job we've caught is probably truck drivers. Well, mentioning their own kids, you did catch an individual earlier this month Child predator confesses to molesting and creating child porn of his own five-year-old daughter. Was this one of the most intense exchanges you've had? Yes, absolutely. His name was Kevin Cook. Um, He's currently in Hamilton County, Iowa jail. And he ended up confessing to us that he produced child pornography of his own daughter and was molesting her. And he invited our decoy over to go play with his daughter. We were, in this case, we were posing as like a pedophile online. And he messages us, asks if we're close to Iowa. And we're like, yeah, we're close to Iowa. And he invites us over to go. He's like, I'm doing this to my kid. Uh, do you want to come over? And we're like, yeah, we'll come over. And he invites us over on a Sunday. Uh, we show up on that Friday before he has custody of her again. And he tries to tell us that, oh, I was doing the same thing you're doing, trying to catch people. And then I poke some holes in his story. And he ends up flipping and just basically spilling his guts that he's been doing this. So he's facing up to 55 years now. So let me get this straight. This man was sexually abusing his own children. Correct. And invited what he thought was another predator over to engage in this? Yes. He wanted, Film this? Yes. He wanted to take it to the next level. So at the moment, he was only, I say only, only only touching her. He hasn't raped her yet, and he's only taken photos, but he hasn't, well, that is producing child porn, but he hasn't produced any sexual videos of her, like him and her doing sexual acts together. But he wanted to take that to the next level when he invited us over. And luckily, we showed up before that could happen. It's an amazing exchange when you get him to admit all of this. And you've, you've done this before, getting them to admit all of this on the spot. Mm-hmm. But have you ever run into an individual that abuses his own children and films it? His own children films it. Uh, besides Kevin Cook, I mean, I'm sure we have, but no, not, not with an admission. We've had people that have admitted to abusing their own kids, but haven't admitted to filming it in the act. How much does this stuff haunt you? 
you have to face these people. Well, it doesn't haunt me because, yeah, obviously I don't want to hear about Kevin Cook's details about what he's doing to his daughter. But I also know if I listen to that, that means she's not going to get abused anymore. So that doesn't haunt me. It actually makes me – it actually is a better feeling that it's not going to happen anymore. I look at the pot half full, you know what I mean? Glass half full. Now, when you go on, we'll say, these sting operations, a lot of times you'll dress in clothing that people might say, well, that looks like children's clothing. Mm -hmm. Is that part of the mind game? Yeah, absolutely. Like, if I feel if I roll up in a suit and tie, um, they're going to think that I'm there to get them in trouble and that I'm there as, like, you know, as an authority figure. But if I just show up, dab them up, and like, hey, man, yeah, I just want to have a conversation with you, they just think of me as, like, a peer. And just peer-to-peer, let's just talk about it. And then they end up spilling, and uh, yeah, it's definitely not ch- child's play after I'm done with them. Well, you've probably, I mean, how many how many predators do you think you've exposed? I mean, the number's in the hundreds. Do you have a number, exactly how many? I would say close to 600. And, and how many states? Um, we've done catch, catches in 49 states, except for Alaska, and we have arrests in 44 of them. Would you say that these are better numbers than the federal government is producing as far as catching these predators? Um, Not in total numbers, but efficiency-wise, I would maybe say so. Now, when you go and you do a bust like this, how often is the individual either already in some probationary, uh, you know, because they've already been busted, versus this is the first time they've ever been caught? Uh, Too often. So um, I hope what... Meaning most of the time they've already been caught before you expose them? No, not most of the time, but just often enough for me to say that it's happening too much. Um, So I'm going to bring up Jeffrey Rose. He was in Las Vegas. He's currently back in jail doing 20 to life. But he, he was sentenced to life in prison for molesting a ton of kids. He scored himself a retrial. And while he's out out on, like, some type of bond or some type of promise to appear back in court for a retrial, like, after 20 years, uh, he messages our nine-year-old decoy. His first message to us is, do you like child porn? And obviously he got very sexual with who he thought was his nine-year-old girl. Then we show up to his house, and while he has an ankle monitor on, he confesses to us that he has over 50,000 images of child pornography. So, um, yeah, that retrial never happened. He ended up taking a plea uh, to 20 to life after he got caught. I learned when I was inside the system how much child predators are actually protected by law enforcement. It was, it was shocking to me when I was on the inside. If you're a child predator, you get a lot smaller sentence than somebody that gets caught even just dealing marijuana. Oh, absolutely. Um, we had a guy, I think the sickest one we've ever caught, his name's Clayton Tanner. Um, he didn't have the most victims. He was only 19. But if he went unchecked for 40 years, I think he'd have dead bodies. Um, he brought a knife to go chop up an infant, and he only got three to eight years when he got convicted. And he admitted that he not just wanted to sexually abuse a child, but you're talking about maiming and p- potentially killing? Yeah, he said he didn't want to murder, but obviously what he was going to, like, he did say he wanted to chop them, like, basically cut them with a knife. He brought the pocket knife, he gave me the knife, and he also wanted to desecrate with both uh, urine and uh, crap. On. And film this? Uh, he didn't say anything about filming it, but I would assume he probably would have. And this is the type of content that gets out on the internet, and, and I want to get back to this, what, you know, and maybe we'll ask you what you think parents can do to avoid this, but you're one man, you have a, you have a small crew, I guess, of one besides you, normally? Uh, no, we, we got uh, 15 people on the team. Okay, so you've expanded your, your enterprise, that's oh, yeah. good, but all things considered, you're a small enterprise, low budget compared to what the federal government has, obviously, Definitely. and you consider your efficiency, why do you suppose that the 
U.S. government aren't running operations like you, but instead trying to entrap innocent Americans? Well, uh, the FBI definitely has way, 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 way too many sour grapes. And, you know, you've heard stories about people in the FBI that were in sex crimes getting transferred to, like, political stuff, like what they got you for, which really was nothing. But, I mean, the FBI agents we've dealt with, like, that's taken up our cases have been great. They definitely care, but I think their hands are tied by, like, the, by, like, the D.C. ones. What is a decoy? You mentioned your decoy earlier. Explain what that is. Um, a decoy is somebody that poses as something they're not online. So we usually decoy as a kid. Sometimes we decoy as a pedo and see what happens. And this is relatively easy. That's why you do it. Yes, it is very easy to find a child predator online. The hard part is having to plan it, having to deal with it, and, of course, traveling for it. But, yes, finding one, anybody can do. And what are the avenues that you use so that parents can know, I need to either heavily monitor my child's actions on these platforms or just outright nix it, make sure they're not there? I mean, literally every single app from Roblox to Instagram to Facebook to Telegram, I mean, they're crawling on every single app. And if I were a parent, I mean, give your, I mean, there's no perfect solution, but hand your kids a football or a basketball and just let them go play outside. Let them be kids. Is the most high-profile bust you ever made uh, a popular streamer, YouTube content creator, EDP445? Was that the most high-profile bust you made? Yeah, he was the most known guy, yes. And were you expecting that? Was that a targeted thing, or it just happened when you busted this guy, you showed up, and that was him? Well, so we heard accusations um, for like a year before anything we did. Um, you know, we saw messages of him messaging minors, uh, all of this type of stuff. So we had an idea of what he was. It wasn't just uh, like, oh, my God, I didn't know he was like this. So we actually had a profile, and we followed him. And we usually don't reach out first. But, you know, he had so many followers that this, the chance of him seeing us were pretty low. So that's why we just said hello to him. And he says hi back, and then we just ignore him after that because we didn't want to continue the conversation on our end. Um, then he double texts two days later and says, hey, so what you doing? Completely, like, unprovoked. Like, we didn't say, I'm doing this, I'm that. He just completely out of nowhere says that. And we're like, holy crap. So we had 13 on our profile. He knew we were 13. We, of course, reiterated we were 13. And then from there, he got extremely sexual. It took a while, but he sent masturbation videos, um, a picture of his own shit, which was probably the most unpleasant pic he sent um, in that whole thing. And he eventually solicited sex. Like he said, I want to throw you in a sex dungeon. And all. obviously, he doesn't have a sex dungeon. But his mind wanders pretty much when he thinks of these children. And he eventually meets up to go uh, see this kid. What was the legal outcome of that? Unfortunately, nothing happened. Uh, Kern County, California does not like civilian cases. How often do people send you sick videos like that? Oh, my gosh. Um, and then they obviously assume that you're, or they think you're a minor when they send it. Yeah, so me as a straight male have seen way more penises than vaginas by probably 50-fold. So you get this regularly? Oh, yeah. Just by saying you're a minor on the internet. Oh yeah, just today. Just today, the guy sent five penis pictures that we caught earlier, like just willy nilly. Do you think that, or maybe I'll ask, are there other high profile individuals on your radar? At the moment, no. But you know, I think there's a lot of people that are preying on kids on our radar, and to those kids, they're definitely high profile because they want them out of their lives. That's why I look at it. Well, for those that don't know, you and I actually did a sting together, and I kind of got to see some of the behind the scenes of how you operate. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, yeah, you, you have to go into some dark places. You probably have to do some things that you would even admit is 
kind of dark as well. Oh yeah, I mean when we when we pose as the, I mean when we're posing as the kid, it's easy. Like we're just innocent. Like okay, that's fine. I'll try this. Like we don't really have to say much. But I mean, having to tell a predator, like yeah, my preference is uh, eight to sixteen. That's what we told Kevin in Iowa, for example. We said our preference is eight to sixteen, and just say like, hey, bro, you got any infant stuff? Like probing to see what they have, and then just having those sick conversations. Absolutely. Like I even had to do a video call with a predator as myself. Um, I was posing as like a father of a nine-year-old girl. I'm 23. I don't have a nine-year-old girl, but I was posing as a father of a nine-year-old girl. And, um, in that recorded conversation, um, he admits he's at work just watching child porn. He brings his laptop to work. He's watching child porn. His name's David Dunn. He's currently in jail. What did he do for a living? Um, he was a mechanic, but kind of part-time. He was kind of older at that point. But, um... Yeah, so we bust him for child porn a couple weeks later. He's currently sitting in Virginia jail since September. Well, the individual that we ended up exposing, and I, I think his fate was nothing. I don't think ever law enforcement followed up with that. <sighs> yeah, um, Austin is really, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate he was in Austin. We really wanted to get him somewhere else. But, but when I looked at that, that was more of what I would consider kind of a stereotypical catch. You know, he lives with family in a disheveled house. Yep. Obviously, probably not mentally well. Right. The situation with whatever family he lives with, obviously not good either. We could just tell by the situation that he was living in. How often would you say it's a, it's kind of more stereotypical where it's like, yeah, that's what you would expect a predator to look like versus somebody that you would be like, oh, this just seems like a normal guy. Yeah, that is definitely the plurality, I'd say, of just being a loser. Like, it's not like they're just total winners in real life and the pedophilia is just the outlier. It, 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 pretty often it is that, but like I said, we catch anybody of all backgrounds. You've also done some other videos like crashing political events. Why did you decide to crash political events? I'm just confronting who I think are predators. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, you know, I've always just been the type to just go do it when nobody else has. Like, even in high school, like, I would just scream in the hallways for no reason, kind of, like, just shouting, just shout out stuff and just whatever. So I've always been just kind of the louder type. So, you know, when it comes to political events, like, I don't like these politicians. I think they're truly just slime balls and they're screwing a lot of us over. Um, but most issues are within ourselves. Like, we got to figure out our own stuff before we blame a politician. But nonetheless, they're not helping us in any way. And, um, you know, just knowing that I could crash a rally and just kind of say, hey, just call them out for what they are. They're, they're fellow humans. They're not just these special people. Uh, I like taking them down a peg, and I definitely credit Alex Stein for giving me that idea. I mean, I saw him do it. I'm like, why not me too? So, Well, and I noticed that, you know, there's kind of a community because there's other individuals that catch predators like you on the Internet. Would you say there's kind of like a community of y'all? Do you communicate? Yeah, there is. Most of us get along really well with each other. And, and do you guys have similar politics? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Absolutely. I, I'd say the our, the predator catching, um, we have, like, a big group chat on Instagram. Um, we range from moderate all the way to, like, far right. So the, we don't have a single leftist in the group chat with us. Like, mm -hmm. even the moderate ones. Well, they seem to be pro. Yeah. Yeah. Predator. Yeah, no. We, I mean, most people aren't, but institutionally, yes, leftism is pro-predator. Yeah, I mean, we see it in the classrooms. We see it every day with stories where they want to introduce the children to sex toys, sex acts. I mean, even just blatant pornography in the classroom. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, I, think that, I, I think that agenda is definitely, I mean, it's poisonous for children. I mean, that being normalized them at such a young age before their brains developed, yeah, I can absolutely convince them to be something or not. And I think that is the goal. Oh, I, I don't think that's the end goal. I think the end goal is depopulation, but I think that's one step closer to that.
well, they're not going to be having kids, right, right. if they engage in that type of uh, ideology exactly. and behavior. Exactly. You also went undercover exposing ballot harvesting in Texas. Would you like to talk about that? Yes. Yeah, so that was, gosh, that was in 2022. Um, so all those rumors you hear about like, oh, well, Democrats just take advantage of the old people and just, you know, kind of tell them what to fill out. That's a real thing. I mean, I caught that on camera. I mean, there was just this old guy with a ballot in his hand. And I don't know if she was bending the rules, sitting on the fence there, but she was basically saying, like, yeah, I'd fill out this guy, I'd fill out that guy. And whether it was legal or not, 100% unethical for her to just tell him that because he wouldn't have known or even voted if it wasn't for her just basically saying, like, hey, do this. Well, it's predatory behavior. It is very predatory, yeah. I mean, exactly. that's why it kind of fits right into what you're doing, whether it's whether it's predators going after children that are unassuming and innocent, it's kind of the same in that situation where this is an elderly person, right. unassuming, innocent, don't really know what's going on. Right. These people knock at the door, show up and say, hey, we really care about you. Let's help you vote. And then write down the ticket. They say, you want all Democrats. Yeah, exactly. Like basically, you, you know, like a, lead, like a leading question in a way, it's like they're leading them to just do that. And yeah. I mean, if that's not illegal, it's a very, very smart move, but it's very slimy. Well, I'm I'd say it's a pretty safe bet that that's not an isolated incident that you caught. Oh, hell no. No. Now, you have a pretty popular Rumble page. You've got uh, right now 72,000 followers when I checked this morning. Your average videos now are getting up to tens of, the th tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. Uh, you've come a long way. But have you endured any censorship along the way from, from uh, your content creation? Oh, yeah. YouTube has nuked us like seven times. Um, Rumble has been... Rumble's been great. I wish they would promote us more, but uh, Rumble, I mean, no issues with them. They let us do our thing, and Locals has been great, too. They let us do our thing. So I'm very grateful that I don't have to look over my shoulder to see if I have a career the next day. Why would YouTube censor your content? That's a good question. They I mean, never they, gave you a reason. Uh, they called it harassment and bullying. And I understand back in the day we would scream at them, sure. But now, I mean, they call just simple interviews with the Predators harassment and bullying. Now, you say back in the day, like, you feel that you've kind of mastered your craft a little bit, polished yourself up a little bit? Uh, definitely not mastered, but polished for sure. Polished for sure. Okay. Now, you commented on a breaking story. The Idaho House passed a bill to give pedophiles the death penalty. You said this is the way. Do, do, do you really believe that? Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, of course, there's no, perfect, there's no perfect solution. The perfect solution is just, you know, cap it. Well, <laughs> I think just doing away with them ASAP. Um, but the Idaho penalty is, uh, would be something about like 12 and under, which is a step in the right direction for sure, and I'm definitely not complaining it was passed. Now, when you talk about this, are you talking about people that view this content on the internet as well, not just people that engage in the sexual abuse? Um, yeah, there's some nuance to that. Like, I think if you're like, I think if you're like 19 and some, and a 16 year old sends you a picture of her nude, I don't think you should be put to death for that, for example. But because that would still count as child porn. But yeah, if you're looking at like infants, toddlers, um, even looking at that, there's a I, there was a study back in the day, day. I can't cite exactly, but the chance they've done something in person when they're viewing that stuff is very, very high. Now, people might be shocked by what you just said. You said infants and toddlers, but this stuff actually exists on the Internet. So, so common. So common. And, and you actually run into entire threads on certain platforms or there's entire rooms or websites that are dedicated to this stuff where people just hang out every day to find these images. Oh, yeah. There's groups. Um, we've heard of over ten, tens of thousands of people, 
and they just trade that all day long. Where do you think these images are generated mostly? Well, we do ask that question to the people we interview, and a lot of them say they look to be overseas. So we've heard a lot of India, Southeast Asia, and South America. Can you think of any way? I mean, you might not be an expert in internet or anything like that, but I mean, how can we keep this stuff from getting into our internet and on our phones and computers? Well, there's no perfect solution, but I think apps, encrypted apps like Telegram, of course, I don't even think they should be banned because I think our freedom of speech supersedes any type of crime, but they sh there has to be censors for certain images because they, there's hash values of these images. Like the, a lot of these images are spread around so often. I, I, I would think there's a way they can f just explicitly look for those images and videos without even looking at speech. So I hope they do something like that. What are some of the code words or sayings that you see that lead you down the path that, oh, I know this is where it's going? Oh, well, pizza is the biggest one. That's the most common one. Um, anytime they say they have pizza, we instantly know. And we've, we've caught people that we haven't even communicated with online that were just following pizza pages, and they admit to viewing like countless files of child porn just based on what they were following on Instagram, just publicly. Um, we've seen pizza. We've seen unicorn. Um, trying to think what else gosh i'm blanking out here right now but uh but you yeah. the, the individual that when i went along the ride with you for i mean they talk about they have these massive folders massive files i mean we're talking about gigabytes terabytes in size oh, that yeah. they all share with one another oh 100 percent. they're usually called mega links and uh i've heard that the biggest megalink that I've heard of was somebody told me that they received a 500 gigabyte megalink. So that's, I don't even know how many images that would be. That's 500 gigabytes of child exploitation. Yes. And, and how often do you run into something that large when you catch a predator? Well, often in the groups. So there's ways for us to turn off any images being displayed while being in the group. So that's how we kind of pull their uh, info out of there. But... The links, they're not displayed, but, you know, you can see what the links say, and we obviously don't click on them. But we see mega links flown around so often, and they're anywhere from, like, literally zero to 500, like, just any size. So we opened the interview. I said, and it's not like it's a new phenomenon. The Internet's been around for a while. I, I had access to the Internet when I was a kid, probably first started learning how to use it pretty well, I would even say, by the time I was a teenager. So children get access to the Internet. They get access to these apps. They have now their smartphones. A lot of parents let them carry it around, a tablet. They get access to this stuff. But parents don't realize the individuals that now might be getting access to their children. How do you try to warn parents about this? I mean, you said, hey, give them a football, give them a this, give them a soccer ball, let them go play on the playground. Well, that's a nice solution. But outside of that, what warnings would you give to parents? How would you tell them to protect their children on the Internet? Well, so on most of these uh, apps, like I know Roblox is one, for example, I mean, we've got so many parents hitting us up saying, hey, this, this guy's talking to my kid on Roblox. Can you do anything about it? Um, the easiest thing on Roblox, you can turn off on a profile, you can turn off a chat to where you cannot say anything to anybody else. So no matter what a predator is saying to your kid, the kid can't communicate back and the predator will just think, well, let's just, let's just mute. I'm going to go find somebody else. So that's the easiest way. And on Instagram, you can turn off direct messages. 
Um, you know, because if you if it's your friends in person, you can always just get their phone number. So you don't need Instagram or talk to your friends. Um, so you can still do the social media without having to communicate with any outsiders, which, you know, I don't encourage social media at all. But if you're going to do it, there's ways to just turn that off. So that, that's that's the main thing I encourage. And I think that'll stop a lot of it. Now, if a parent suspects that their child is now in communication with a child predator, and I guess you've run into this, too, mm-hmm. what is the... What is the right thing to do as far as getting law enforcement involved? Because it's a very difficult thing to even bring justice to most of these situations, it sounds like. Oh, 100%, because a lot of times, and this isn't the parent's fault. I mean, no parent wants to just go through and look up child solicitation laws. But a lot of times, if, you know, if a predator is calling their kid cute or pretty or something, they'll just think, oh, my God, I'm just going to cut this off immediately. Um, You know, obviously, that's the knee-jerk reaction. That stops the communication with them. But what I would encourage is, you know, because calling a kid cute or pretty is not a crime. It's, you know, it's very, very creepy, but by law, it's not a crime. What I would do if I was the parent is I would go to your local PD and I would let the cops take it over. So if you have someone flirting with your 10-year-old, call them cute or pretty, alert the cops, but have them take it over. Don't just cut off the communication. Obviously, don't let your kid keep talking to the predator, but bring it to the police and let them actually try to finish the investigation. Do you continue? Uh, do you plan to continue to do this work and expand your predator poachers network? Absolutely, I do. I love it. And you found other people that are effective at doing this as well across the nation. Um, we're looking. We're looking for that. We're, we might expand for that in that regard soon. But behind the scenes with decoying and stuff like that, we have the best group of decoys, and they make my life a lot easier. Well, I think you're doing great work. And the more number of predators that you get off the street, despite your uphill battle with law enforcement, the better. Alex Rosen of Predator Poachers, thank you for your time. Thank you.